I see. You actually want the treatment, don't you? Oh, you wish I would have killed you. <laughs> Better not lay a hand on her. <laughs> Serves her right. <laughs> <laughs> no, please, Emperor. Now you'll tell me exactly what I want to hear. <laughs> That's it? A kiss? Oh, yes. Pretty scary, don't you think? <laughs> Is that the best you can do? Boy, she's pushing it. She better clam up or he may think of something really horrible to do to her. Man, I thought you guys were tough. That was easy. A first grader could think of better torture than the treatment. <laughs> Did you hear what she just said? <laughs> I'll have you know I got my degree in torture. I am a certified master of torture. Oh, that does it! To the next dimension, a Dragon Ball podcast. I, I was saying super for a while, but you know, screw it. Um, my name is Donovan, Donovan Morgan Grant, if you've forgotten. And um, to get the apologies out of the way, thank you so, so much for continuing to subscribe. Thank you very much for listening. If you've discovered the show, someone recently, and like, oh, there's a new episode. Um, it's a bit of a spontaneous episode, but uh, 
thank you very much. And for everyone who's on the Facebook page, everyone who's on the Facebook group, everyone who continues to subscribe to the show, um, I swear we're not dead. And this is a little bit of a buffer content before we get back to business. I usually am joined by my partner in crime and my friend, Jesse Garrett. But for tonight, this is sort of a special one-off, which you should be aware of if you choose to download this exact episode. Um, and this is kind of a throwback because we don't typically talk about the original Dragon Ball series, that being uh, the first 16 volumes of the manga and the original 153 episode anime series, Dragon Ball, the one where Goku was a kid. Um, for this episode, I brought on a friend, a, a colleague, and a former co-host. He and I did uh, the Amazing Spider-Man Classics podcast way back when in 2010, and he is a major comic book podcaster who recently just got kind of got into Dragon Ball, so we might want to talk about it. So without further ado, welcome to our show, Mr. John Wilson. Yay! Hello, how are you? I am I am great. Uh, I feel like the uh, the theme should be playing in the background right now. Dun, 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 dun. Um, because, yeah, Dragon Ball. Made it through all whatever one hundred fifty three episodes. Yes, sir. And and now we have what five hundred more to go. Yeah. Well, let's see. You have two hundred and ninety two total episodes of Z. Um, you have. I mean, like this is all very. De- at that, after, at, by that point, you have, it's very dependent. You have thirteen Dragon Ball Z movies because you said you've seen the Dragon Ball films, right? I saw the first two Dragon Ball films. Right. I didn't keep watching because it didn't feel like they were that relevant. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're they are retellings. Um, uh, you and I were talking on, on Facebook about like the DBZ movies, and there are thirteen of those originally. Um, you also have some extra content. Then you know, after Z, you get to other stuff. But we're, we're not gonna, we're not going to get to Z. Um, this is the original Dragon Ball, and yeah, you you've just got off of watching uh, the original Dragon Ball series, which is interesting because if because you're an American, you're a filthy American, and the majority, not all of them, but I would say at least 60% of, of American fans started with Dragon Ball Z. That's a rough approximation. Um, there are definitely those in the fandom who started with the subs in the 90s and kind of got into it the Japanese version of Dragon Ball Z. Or there are folks like I have who got kind of into like you know the original Ocean dub and later the Funimation dub of Dragon Ball Z. Um, you did not. You straight up started with the Japanese, the Japanese original version of Dragon Ball. Um, just very, very basically, uh, you know, what led you to make this this uh, questionable decision? How 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 did this come to be? Okay, so I think I've ever since you know my young teen years been a fan of the anime aesthetic and uh, Japanese um, cartoons, like you know, cartoons and shows that originated in Japan. I remember my brother and I. Uh, rented the first, you know, videotape of Record of Lodos War, which is this old anime. Okay. I never went back and watched more of, but you know, it's it's there. Yeah. And you know, Voltron and Transformers and the stuff that have you know connections with Japan, we were always fans of. So, um, in my early adulthood, I heard that you know the Power Rangers show, which I had only kind of enjoyed, um, heard that it was you know a total recut, rehash, redoing of a Japanese superhero show. And I found out, hey, these are subtitled on the internet. And so I was watching some of those and really kind of fell in love with the whole Super Sentai concept. And so it was, you know, via that venue 
exploring other Japanese forms of entertainment. Um, and, you know, Dragon Ball Z was so huge in the 90s and 2000s mm-hmm. that when my daughter Lily was in her later single-digit years, I thought, hey, let's watch Dragon Ball. And I found um, we started out watching dubbed episodes, and then I found subbed episodes. So we switched over, but we kept on like getting distracted. And so, for honestly, like the last seven years, we have started, lost track, tried to pick up, restarted lost track until Lily's now 16 and doesn't really care that much anymore. But her younger brother has gone from not existing to being born to being nine years old. And so it was about a year ago that I was like, you know what? We need to get through this. I want to see the rest. And looking is the perfect age. So about a year ago, I was like, you know, we're going to start doing this with a concerted effort. And, um, We got through the Red Ribbon Army saga, which, if you look at a list of sagas, is really the Red Ribbon Army saga, the General Blue saga, and the Commander Red saga, (laughs) because that's all basically one big thing. (laughs) What what about, like, the uh, Mercenary Tao saga or the Tao Pai Pai arc? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Tao Pai Pai is in there, and he's... Tao Pai Pai originally is really fantastic. Tao Pai Pai, when he comes back as a cyborg, is a chump um yeah. <laughs> and then we just kept on going and, and um i over the summer we were watching i i, re, I counted episodes and i was like you know what if we just watch an episode a day we could be done by the end of the summer mm. and so we started doing that so yeah we we buried bar, uh, barreled through the rest of the way fortune teller baba the the last two tournaments with ten Shin han and then piccolo and yeah and awesome. now we're doing dragon ball z we're like like seven, eight, nine episodes in a Dragon Ball Z. Awesome. Very, very cool. Uh, yeah. Um, because like when, when, when you were mentioning kind of Dragon Ball's popularity, like I was right on the ground floor as I, I was entering double digits when it was big in the late nineties and early two thousands. So I was really, I, I really kind of came up through middle school and junior high, uh, through it. And I imagine like at the time, uh, cause you're, um, about about a decade older than I am, older than I am, uh, that was kind of in the margins. So like, what was your, what was like the, the, like your the basic familiarity of just Dragon Ball in general before you started watching the show? Was it kind of the, the very stereotypical kind of you know yelling and plotting kind of stuff, or did you have any? What what, what was the interest? Was it just kind of just uh, spontaneous checking it out, or was it like you heard good things? Um, I think I did have a vague impression of the shouting and like the. You know, the face is surrounded by, you know, pulsating or, or, or you know, firing energy or whatever. Um, and I don't really know what led me to initially try it. But I remember when I first started watching original Dragon Ball, being absolutely delighted mm. by the, the, the childhood adventure romp um, that was going on. Just the aesthetic of the show, the... It's like a, a fantasy version of the Chinese countryside, and you know, they're the the fact that anthropomorphic animals and dinosaurs are completely normal. <laughs> no one bats an eye. Um, the idea that this kid has a tail, he's wandering around, 
just everything about the 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 sexual humor that I'd never seen in in cartoons before. Everything about it was so unusual to anything I'd I'd seen that I really really got into it, and um, it's early Dragon Ball is feels very character driven. Um, you really connect to Goku. You really connect to Bulma. When you meet other characters like Yamcha, uh, there's there's a there's a really you know character driven storyline to bring them in. Um, and so Lily really liked it. I really liked it. We just kept on going through Dragon Ball. Um, I I would get her the Vizbig um, manga collections nice. for for uh, gift giving holidays. Nice. So she has. She has all five Dragon Ball Vizbigs and the first one or two Dragon Ball Zs. Very nice. Yeah, because uh, my brother and I, between the two of us, we have the whole Dragon Ball slash Dragon Ball Z original manga series from like, because uh, the original, and the way that it's distributed in America, um, you know, as, as we all know, that like uh, the manga series is a straight Dragon Ball. But in America, it's like the first 16 volumes are Dragon Ball, then like the next 26 are Dragon Ball Z. So we have like a mix of like you know single volumes and viz big volumes. Um, it's actually kind of inconsistent, but like like we eventually have the whole series. But it's that's cool that you, that you got those those big chunks. So I guess if anyone out there doesn't know, the viz bigs are basically three in one volumes. So instead of sixteen yes. volumes uh, of small red books, you get five larger yellow books. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 just kind of yeah exactly three three volumes collected in one kind of fat one. Um, yeah. The fifth one has an extra, and that's the thing too. Because like, uh, and, and I and I, I forget how much I I, I know. I differently. I, I eventually elaborate on this in the in the early podcast. But Dragon Ball, especially how it, uh, sorry off was was such a was such a it was such a direct creative child of uh, Akira Toriyama, who who by nature is a comedic and gag kind of like driven mangaka. Um, he. Got rich and famous off of Dr. Dr. Slump like five years prior. Um, pretty much anything else he's done outside of Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, aside from uh, Chrono, Chrono Trigger, which was like a video game in the, in the 90s on, on the Genesis. Yeah, no Chrono Trigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yeah. that him? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Um, oh, yeah, you can totally tell. Especially, especially if, 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 more you get into DBZ, more, you, can, you can recognize different, different uh, character uh, uh, designs. Um you know, and he and he also did a uh, other video game work like um, Dragon Power or I think it's Dra- Dragon Quest, which is an RPG series. Um, I guess I guess if you're not counting video games, much of his like manga and anime work has been comedic. And Dragon Ball is prime. I would say mostly comedic. It definitely, as you know, gets deeper and darker as it goes on. But like the first arc, the first peel off arc, where they're just fighting the Dragon Balls, and it's Goku and Bulma, and they scrounge up Oolong and Yamcha and pretty much everything up to when they first summon the dragon and the dragon ball splinter away. And even, even into the first um, tournament arc is, is very lighthearted. Um, yeah. That first tournament, I mean, it is, it's, it's a, it's a fighting match and then people want to win, but it's not high stakes. Exactly. It's, it's basically a place for these kids that you've been relating to all this time to go and, and, and test their prowess. And, and their, their, their teacher is, you know, throwing a con the entire time dressed as one of the, uh, contenders and Jackie Sean. yeah, 
I mean, later when you have the the Tenshin Han tournament, and then especially later when you have the the uh, Piccolo Junior or Ma Junior mm-hmm. uh, tournament, yes. those feel like really serious gigs. But that first tournament was just, hey, we would we would it, it's it's like it's like the Karate Kid ending. We've been we've been learning to fight. Let's go let's go fight in the tournament. See if we can win. Did you guys know that a terrible monster comes out when the moon is full? Oh, come on, Goku. You're making that up. There's no such thing. You should put that imagination to better use and figure out a way to get us out of here. But I'm not making it up, Bulma. My grandpa was trampled to death by that monster. What? Gohan the Supreme Martial Arts Master? That's gotta be one big savage monster. Yeah, it destroyed our house and crushed all our trees. (gasps) What did it look like, Goku? I'm not really sure. I slept through the whole thing. What? How could you sleep if a huge monster was fighting a grandpa and wrecking your house? I don't know. The last thing I remember was grandpa warning me about the full moon and how I should never, ever look at it. Huh? Of course, that didn't have anything to do with the monster. Grandpa was always saying these really strange things, and every... Uh, Hey, what are you guys doing? Oh, nothing. Hey, Goku, can I ask you a little something? Sure. That night your grandfather was killed, did you happen to look at the full moon? Well, I think I did, just before I fell asleep. Why? I'm getting a little nervous. You're not the only one. I had a feeling that Goku wasn't just an ordinary kid, and uh, I think I was right. I'm at a loss here, Yamcha. How do we find out for sure? How do you find out what for sure? I guess we could make him look at the moon, then there wouldn't be any doubts at all. That's true. But what if he... What if he does turn into a monster? We'd end up just like his grandpa. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. Let's not chance it. It's far too dangerous. I'm with you. Goku, be very careful not to look at the moon. It's right above you. (laughs) So... I mean, I, I don't necessarily want to kind of make it a kind of, you know, strict, you know, character by character, arc by arc basis. It's kind of free, free flowing. But um, we can kind of kind of go gradually. So, like, uh, what were your major moments of, I guess, just sort of emotions that you took from, from, from certain things? Like, when you first are introduced to Goku and Bulma as characters... Uh, and and as as to kind of go on, like like how did you take to them? You know, because Bulma, and I I, I I live to regret how I described Bulma in the first episode of uh, the Next Dimension, but you know, I, I one of the first thing she does when she meets Goku is like to shoot him in the head after she hits him with a car, and you know, as they go on, um, their desires for the Dragon Balls change and stuff, and and Goku is so ignorant. Um, how did you take to those characters? And I, and I guess how how did uh, uh, your son take to those characters? So Goku is completely ignorant of the world. Um, he has no idea even what, you know, physical gender differences are. Um, mm-hmm. And when he sees a girl, he doesn't even, he's like, why, why do you look so different? Um, I think his complete ignorance and the the resultant naivete and, but you combine that with his strength, like, the first episode opens with him going out and getting food and he like clobbers this giant fish maybe, or maybe it's a dinosaur. I forget what it was. Right, right. He just takes it home and roasts it. Um, and there's the dragon ball that he causes grandpa. And what will draw me into a story is like 
world building with mystery involved. Um, so like knowing, even not knowing what it was, but knowing that this ball he has means more and knowing that there's a grandfather involved. And as I was researching the show, just a little bit, I'd come across references to the grandfather's name, Son Gohan. And then I didn't even know until recently that Son Gohan and Z was his son, not his grandfather. Although his grandfather came back. Yes. But, um, but just, you know, the idea that to my understanding, then the grandfather was going to come back into his life later on. Um, a lot of that was just like, Oh wow. There's like this huge saga of, of, world building and character evolution and i was i was there for it um bulma when i of course goku i was trying to figure out why is he a boy with a tail and um he's actually inspired by and i think the some of the opening elements of the manga are loosely based on elements of this myth of the monkey king from chinese folklore journey to the west yeah right so um that was, you know, just kind of neat to see that they were sort of like, you know, taking stories that were known in the culture and turning them into an adventure. Bulma was fun um, because she's got this boy who doesn't, she, she doesn't know how to act around him because she's a, a young teenager. And so she's very aware of her sexuality. Um, and Goku has no idea what that is. And so all of his actions that seem to be like advances or invasions of privacy or whatever that she takes offense to are completely innocent in his, on his part. So seeing her frustrations, but also affection for a little boy were fun. Um, she wants to get the dragon balls. Uh, she wants to find a boy. I don't know. Her her name is just a Japanization of underwear, bloomers, and yeah, <laughs> it it's just it was fun. It was lighthearted fun, and I think I, I've mentioned the sexuality part a couple times because in American culture, sexuality has no part in children's entertainment mm-hmm. because we have you know as a culture have so many hangups of that. And so to see sexuality treated as a lighthearted, innocent aspect of life that, hey, girls have areas that are they're very private about, you don't want to deal with, and boys are less that way, and that's just kind of the way things are, and why can't we have those normal aspects of life be part of our cartoons, Um I thought was just really different and interesting. Um, so I think it was the, 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 the nature of the storytelling and the nature of the humor being so different that, that really drew me on. Um, Keenan, uh, he, you know, we don't really talk a whole lot about what we like about the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just keep on, you know, keep on watching the show and he's like really into it. So I think we should keep on watching. So I don't know what exactly drew him into it, but, um, but it was just always fun. He was. All, I would say, "Hey, let's watch Dragon Ball." You're like, "Yeah, let's watch Dragon Ball." <laughs> oh, that's nice. Um, it's an interesting. That's an interesting talking point about like kind of like the, the, the sexy humor because um, when my brother and I got into Dragon Ball, a lot of that was um, had really. I mean, that was that, that becomes a lot more rare in DBZ. And it's there, but it's, it's rare 
And when we kind of found found the manga, um, like one of the earliest things we read of the manga was Goku and Go oh, Goku and Krillin training under under Roshi, or as you know, Takame Senen, and the whole bit about um, them like <laughs> we must train our minds as well, and they're like reading erotica and stuff, um, which is which is a joke I laugh I like, but like uh, a lot of that was just sort of like really uh, either danced around or just kind of avoided and censored out, so there's a lot more of a sort of like, you know, kind of a no-go zone in terms of like sort of how the initial dub, which I won't tend to mention too much, kind of tried to prevent that from getting to sort of the American audience. So I tend to think of the, the humor as very, very Toriyama now, but it's interesting to kind of think of it with a more modern lens, just how, how I guess, silly, it, it, really, it really is silly. I mean, it's, it's the definition of silliness, honestly. But it's, it's funny how... A lot of it can kind of be seen as like, oh, this this is just you know kind of torrid Japan sexuality, um, and then some. Some of it is just kind of just really the creator's sensibility is just being very, 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 very just comedic and lighthearted. Um, mm-hmm. uh, one joke I loved was uh, when um, Pilaf takes Bulma and like it, I think she's in some, some sort of like kind of like crane or something like that, and like he's oh I want to do something nasty to you, and she's like oh scared, and he blows her a kiss. And I think that's, that's really, really like, you know, kind of perverted and nasty. She's like, oh, is that all? I thought you were going to, like, and I know I remember this from the manga, how, like, what she says is kind of bleeped out, and, like, her and she would admire just, like, horrified by, like, just her, her nasty song. I'm not sure how that translates in the anime, if, like, what she says is bleeped out, but, like, that was a joke that I, I really liked. Did you I remember the moment. I, yeah, I remember the moment, but not the phrasing. So it's like, he just did this little innocent thing that, sure, walking down the street, a girl would not appreciate you blowing a kiss at her. So sure, it is something of an invasion, um, but it's not assault. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it's kind of funny. She's like, oh, I thought you were going to do this. And this is like, oh my gosh, why would a human being ever <laughs> do that? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, totally. And one thing you can say for Master Roshi, uh, as, as much as he is so over the line in so many places when she says no he backs away well that's another thing too because like his character is something that i don't i don't know again if if, at least on this show we've had a a ton of conversations i know there's one moment in z where he like grabs a woman's breast like right in front of her small child that jesse and i were kind of annoyed at but um okay a a major part like like early on when when, like when goku and boma get his dragon ball is when she kind of shows him his underwear, except she's not wearing underwear. He does the whole, you know, nose blood geyser thing. Right. Um, later on, when they're fighting the Invisible Man, and I told you all this, but like, but like, Krillin has to snatch her top off so so Roshi can bleed all over the Invisible Man, so Yamcha can win a fight for once and only once. Um, like that kind of stuff, which is which is very much like even beyond humor, is just kind of just we now know, you know, as men in America. It's kind of just just basic assault. Like, how did that grab you? Just beyond kind of being silly, kind of being really, really, uh, uh, kind of strong and direct. Yeah, I, I, as you mentioned, I, I forgot there were some more extreme moments like that. Um, I don't know because it's like the fact that she's accidentally not wearing any, you know, underpants when she flashes Roshi is played as a gag. She intentionally lifts her dress. She intentionally, you know, shows him her underwear. She doesn't realize she's not wearing any. So that's like a humiliation point. Um, 
I don't really know how to read that from a from a um, girl's privacy kind of perspective because I just don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it seems to work as a joke. I think it would work less as a joke if he were like lifting her dress without her permission and she was accidentally not wearing any underwear and he saw more than he should. That would not play nearly the same. Um, and then the one with the, uh, invisible man. Um, yeah. Did somebody lift Bulma's shirt for her? Did did they ask her to lift her shirt? Krillin positions them. Does Bulma does not know what he's doing, and like she like she, he like yanks it off. So because like he positions him so Roshi will act because it is like right in front of Yamcha, so it would be in front of Yamcha's. Apartment. Right, right, right. I remember the positioning thing. I remember the actual action. So okay, so that's that's not cool. That's I mean, cool. Uh, that's that's assault, uh, and that's that's over the line. <laughs> you, you can't you can't rip a woman's clothes off. That's not okay. No, not at all. Um, but it it it. And she and and here's the thing. Yes, he has the nose gushing blood, and yes, it gets the 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 guy covered in blood so that Yamcha can see him and win the fight. Um, but it's a condemned act. Like Bulma is not okay with it, and she tears into into is it Oolong or Krillin who does it? I, yeah, it's Krillin. <laughs> okay, yeah, she tears into Krillin. Um, so I don't know. It's weird. I will tell you that Toriyama's humor in terms of American sensibilities I would say is rather incons- is just flat out inconsistent. Like there's mm-hmm. some things like oh that's that's kind of clever and funny and okay that that's that's sexy but it's kind of silly. And there are times where there's no real it it crosses a line. And my brother and I are talking about this because we kind of we we discovered uh a work of his um that was really extreme. And it was such an outlier of, of his overall body of work. That won't get, I won't get to now because it'll just kind of be a tangent. Um, but it was like, you know, what, how does that, how do, how do we look on Dragon Ball with this uh, in context? And it's interesting because um, this is a microcosm of sort of the whole anime, uh, anime industry, and you know, kind of just Japan pop culture, Japanese pop culture in general. Like, 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 Americans look at some some things like this means something, but Japan. It's it's normalized. Um, I know you're watching Sailor Moon. You're also reading Sailor Moon manga, and I know that uh, Naoko Takeuchi, uh, the mangaka of the original Sailor Moon comic, thought that the anime was a lot more um, fan servicey in a way which was male driven, male gaze, driven towards the male gaze than her comic books were, mainly in terms of, like the the transformation sequences. So it's something that like is discussed. Uh, it, you know, in Japan, it's it's not just you know sort of a overtly patriarchal culture, even though they never necessarily had a a, a women's movement comparable to Americans' uh, women's movement. But it, and it's also like you know of a different time, like like Dragon Ball. The whole Dragon Ball was in the '80s, so there's a lot of things going on um, that could lead to uh, different talking points. So it's interesting, to kind of kind of of uh, interface and confront those. While still, while still overall enjoying the show, because it seems it seems like none of those things really negatively impacted the show as opposed to like it, this, this wasn't like soul man for you it was like no matter what good they're trying to do there's still a line that they cross that they never redeemed themselves from right right and it's interesting you say because yeah all of dragon ball was in the 1980s yes and yet 
it's an it's it, it is an aesthetic that fed the '90s, but then we didn't get it in the states until the late '90s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just kind of weird how it it's a phenomenon that fed the U.S. And then the U.S. led into it being popular. You know, does that make sense? Oh yeah, yeah. It, it was. I mean, like it was. It can't be. It cannot be over overstated how influential Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z were just on anime and manga in general. And then, of course, in, in the West, just kind of either by popular, popular culture osmosis of uh, how they perceive anime or just the series in general. Yeah, it's it's definitely especially in the nineties because um, Dragon I can, Ball. I feel like. I feel like so much of 90s comics and so many of the movements that happened in 89 and 90 and 91 mm-hmm. that like made the 90s what they were for those, you know, the first half of the decade. I feel like so much of that is anime inspired. A lot. Of, it's, it, it, yeah, it, it, kind of, it does. I, in my opinion, or at least on, on how I've received it, it does kind of depend on the era because like the early 90s anime is much defined by Akira and Ghost in the Shell and um, like kind of the cyberpunk stuff in the mid '90s, and then definitely later on. That, 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 that's the half of the '90s. It's it is Dragon Ball Z because so, you have stuff like Yu Yu Show and a lot more sort of shonen series, and especially in the 2000s when you when you have shows that kind of came up with a steady diet of Dragon Ball, like Naruto, One Piece, Bleach. Those shows are explicitly in, inspired by Akira Toriyama. So yeah, it is it is very much sort of like a an avalanche effect. Um, in terms, in terms of a uh, uh, manga history, manga and anime history. Look, Master Roshi, somebody's coming this way. What? Is it Turtle? I should have known he'd spoil my plans. No, wait, it's someone in a boat. Master Roshi, right? People tell me that. Master, my name's Krillin, and I've come all the way from a village in the east. Please allow me to be your humble student and learn to fight like you. Well, that's a long way to come. But unfortunately, I do not train every boy who shows up at my door. Sorry. Hmm? Maybe some quiet reading will change your mind. Oh, gimme, gimme! <laughs> oh, oh. I brought it just for you. So who are you anyway? His pupil? Yeah, I'm Goku. Doesn't seem that you like fighting. I like marshmallows. <laughs> What's that got to do with anything? <laughs> well, I'm hungry, and your bald head looks like one. 
What did you say? Don't you know that everyone who's serious about martial arts shaves their head? Look at Master Roshi. He shaves. Nope. I'm naturally bald. When the show kind of started getting into some more action based storytelling like they went from you know finding the dragon balls to okay let's not find the dragon balls anymore let's let's start training for a tournament um like we kind of went into the, the 21st tournament arc uh what were you th- were, were you still with it were, were you disappointed that it wasn't uh at least in that storyline an adventure series or were you kind of still rolling with it yeah i'm still rolling with it i feel like you know um this is a longer show it's going to have sort of like you know phases that it goes through so you had the adventure arc i was not prepared for there to be like you know two more tournaments um (laughs) that was that was unexpected um you know they leave the first one they talk about coming back in three years but like there's still a lot of adventure that they do before before that happens um the emperor pilaf saga you know it was fun it had a had a nice big climactic ending and then um oolong saves the day by wishing for a pair of women's underwear or girls and um which the dub translation on that is so ridiculous he's like i want a pair of nice fresh comfortable underpants and women girls panties flow down from heaven (laughs) um okay oolong and uh then you go into the tournament and like i said after emperor pilaf the kids are like yeah you know what i want to keep training and get better and and roshi here helped us win this fight now he's wanting to train me that's great so they go train and, and you meet krillin and um lunch is there yeah lunch is there and her uh her whole thing is is just you know fun and then they go on to the tournament and it's it's you meet all these other 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 you know people the contestants and I don't know because it's still it's still lighthearted and fun. Like there's a whole gag whenever Krillin goes up against, and you and I were talking about this. Um, your first ish, your first episode of Next Dimension, I heard recently. I wasn't sure if y'all remembered the bacterian part because just the way I were talking about Krillin's nose not being there. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's a whole joke throughout the last. I don't know. 15 episodes that you've known Krillin, he's this cue ball head kid with no nose. It's like, is that a quirk of the animation? Is that a character? And then he goes up against Bacterian, which is this filthy, grotesque, disgusting ogre of a man. And one of his big attacks is to stick his hand in his crotch. Yeah, I was thinking about that. (laughs) It is like sweat on there and just hold his hand out in a punch and and everyone in the audience is like, oh, my God, how is Krillin going to stand this? And Goku shouts, hey, Krillin, don't forget, you don't have a nose. <laughs> and Krillin's like, oh, I, you're right, I don't have a nose. I don't have to worry about this guy. So, you know, it's just funny. Krillin doesn't have a nose, and that's point. how he wins that fight. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a major plot point that, that's not really investigated. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and and and... and you can absolutely kind of see how that plays in the manga. It's, it's funny how how because because the anime translation is kind of virtually one to one. But yeah, because because I, I remember like uh, just trying to explain to Jesse just just in terms of, like context sake, like because he was he was down to see this because he had never seen. Of course, we explained this for episode, but he'd never seen Dragon Ball. So so I was like, okay, so this is Krillin. He's his, he's, he's Goku's best friend. And if and if for some reason listeners had not seen the show, he's he is the guy with 
you know, dots on his head and no nose. And, you know, not, Chiaotzu doesn't have a nose, but it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, is that an anime thing? Is it ever explained? Because I don't, I, I'm pretty positive that's never referenced again beyond the Bacterian fight. Um, but Yeah, I can't think of any place where it's ever brought up either. Right. So yeah, there there are yeah wacky things like um, I'm thinking of, uh, and it's been a very long time since I've seen or read the 21st tournament arc, the 21st Tenkaichi Budokai. So I'm trying. I'm remembering like like at one point Goku and Jackie Chan are like dancing, and posing and stuff. Um, I know that they like they they like replay how they how they did their like oh that, that was so fast. Can you do that again for the audience? Oh yeah, I did this and this and this. Right, right. <laughs> they uh, just like jump into the air. Yeah. Pass each other and land, and you're like, but they seem to like be really spent, and they're like, what, what, what just happened? And 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 then yeah, they go through this sort of like choreographed little thing, and then I did this, and then I you know poked my fingers in his eyes, and then I kicked him four times, and yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, And and, and again, this isn't like a, a this isn't like Shin Chan or something that that's that's totally like you know without. Hard to it, because 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 Roshi is under disguise to help his students. He just wants them to get. He does. He wants them to fight against a wall and, and kind of push themselves rather than think they're the best. And um, you know, like 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 there there is a genuine, you know, there, there's there's genuine heart to Goku as a character and his friendship that he gains with Krillin and Yamcha and, and even Bulma and Olan. Like like there, there's a there is a uh, some might say incessant theme of Dragon Ball of like the enemies becoming friends. And it starts from the beginning, and it keeps happening um, in ways which I think I think in the early Dragon Ball is actually really um, appealing because uh, mm-hmm. I love Krillin as a kid. I, I, I think he's just hilarious. Just, he just, especially when um, I think he bribes Roshi to train him by showing him porn. It's just like the little glare in his <laughs> eye. <laughs> and uh, then there's the whole thing of like trying to get all the um, when Goku was trying to bribe him to and he, go, uh, Roshi's like, bring me a girl, bring me a peachy peachy girl. And yeah. I'm not entirely sure what peachy peachy means in Japanese. I think I looked it up one time, but you know he wants he wants this particular type of girl. And Goku, who only learned last Tuesday what a girl is, um, is trying to bring them this girl. And first, I think he brings like you know this really like big cartoonishly woman. big woman. Yeah. And then he brings her, or he brings him a girl who definitely has the right look. From the waist up, because she's Lori Lamaris, a mermaid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, then finally, he finds Launch, who is the perfect thing for Master Roshi's, you know, eyes and desires. Except whenever she sneezes and turns into an assassin. Which I I I know there are there are different like uh, potential explanations or, or theories about that. I don't remember that ever being explained. It's never explained. Not in the manga, not in the anime. It's just a thing that happens, and this is the character. It's also one of those things where, like, both Bulma and Lunch um, have a penchant for firearms. So, like, I, I remember, I remember reading the manga, uh, like, when I was a kid. Her waking up, and Goku's like, like, like sitting next to her, and she's like, "How dare you sleep with me?" And he, he's like, "But there's not enough beds to go around." She just pulls out her like a Uzi and just shoots. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that was <laughs> that was the morning after. Um, he can't sleep. He's in her camper. So he crawls into bed and she's laying on her back with her legs sort of spread. And he goes and cozies up on her crotch. And That's he's right. super surprised that it's not 
cushy and lumpy. That was Bulma, yeah, yeah. He lays on Bulma's yeah. crotch and is like, yeah, you have no balls. The balls, the dragon balls are gone. <laughs> oh, but then yeah, you were talking about the 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 lunch one later where yeah. he's with lunch. Yeah, I'm sorry, I got my characters confused while you were doing. No, no, it's, it's 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 cool. This happens a lot. Yeah, but like. uh uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, and because I, I remember, and I think you must have seen this part uh, in DBZ where Bulma's working on the scouter, and she's like, "Hey, I fixed it," and like Krillin and Rochi are, are sleeping, and, and and like she just like the next panel in the manga is just her like just like shooting there, like they're full of like bloody bullet holes and stuff. It's, it's like that stuff is very much a gag. I, I don't know if this that's meant to take place in like 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 the storytelling oh, reality. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, I don't know because it's anime, so like you know. People can get shot up for a go- joke and be totally fine the next minute, um, but if they're shot up for like a serious moment, that's bad. Yeah, like Commander Red, he didn't survive that. <laughs> right, right. Uh, because because yeah, that, that's after the um, the uh, that that's after the tournament arc. But, but like before that, we we had seen him by that point twice. Goku turned into the Great Ape or the Ozaru, um, and of course that's I believe that's, that's yeah that's part of like the the Chinese legend. Um, there's like sort of this werewolf um, theme about Goku early on. Um, did that do anything for you? Did that add a sense of like you know kind of fantasticness or like? Oh like, yeah, because it's it's like you don't know what's going on, but he has this like really tripped out, th- and it's out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It's it's in the end of the Emperor Pilaf saga, so it's like twelve episodes in, and um, they're trapped in this dungeon and, and they can't get out, and and it's the end. It's the end of the story. It's the end of the road. There's no way to get out except that there's a, a, a skylight. And Goku's like, huh, the moon. That's weird. I remember this one other time I heard about the full, I saw a full moon. And it was the night before my grandpa died. And everyone's like, wait a second, what? Yeah, the, the gears are turning and they're back away from him. That's great. And Goku's just like telling this story. Of this monster that killed his grandpa after he saw a full moon. And you're like, okay, wait a second. And as soon as Goku turns into the monster, you realize that, what the hell? Goku killed his own grandfather. That's right. And it's never explicitly stated. And it's never, like, addressed head on. And whenever he gets, whenever he does reunite with his grandfather a couple times later on in Dragon Ball, no one says, by the way, thanks for stomping on me, you big ape. Um... But yeah, he turns into a giant monster, and he does it again at the end of the tournament saga. There's there's a bit of a return to that point in the Saiyan arc, actually. This this when 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 the whole the 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 whole concept of Saiyans turning into apes comes up. There's a bit of like like wait a minute, what happened to grand, what happened to Goku's grandpa? But but generally, yeah, it is one of those things where like in hindsight, it's like. Oh crap! <laughs> like he, he. I think I saw the moment you were talking about because they have talked about. You know how Goku no longer has to tell you took away your power. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, which is good because in the, in the in the tournament, like isn't he like um, someone's sort of trying to throw him out of, out of the ring, but like he grows his tail back and does a whole like kind of tail fan thing. Right, and the tail kind of shows up out of nowhere. You're like, hey, that's cheating. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 kind of fun to remember these these bits because um, in Dragon Ball Z, like his tail never grows back. Like he, he he's like tailless. And um, yeah, like, as you say, that like, Raditz kind of you know says what happened to it, and there's, there's there, I, 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 this is this is so brief. I believe that, that like a little bit like right at the start of the freeze arc, there's implied to be some sort of stigma with Saiyans without tails or whatever. 
even though there's so few of them. Um, but uh, but that that that's a thing. Yeah, and then we, we kind of get back to like kind of finding the Dragon Balls with the Red Ribbon arc, which I remember telling you, and I, I have memories of like when I was kind of going through Dragon Ball. Is that is the longest arc in in the first bit of Dragon Ball? Like like. I just remember. I just have memories of reading the manga at a bookstore and sitting down, and my butt got sore because I was. It was like hours long, and like he had he had to fight all these different generals, and he had to you know meet Snow, and you know it's it's thirty nine episodes, and oh boy. you know each each season is like two arcs. You know, two arcs are usually like twenty eight, twenty nine episodes, and this is three arcs. So it's it's thirty nine episodes. It's a season and a half, and this is a weekly cartoon. So I'm looking at the dates actually in front of me. It starts in September and goes until the end of June every week. No breaks. This is the show. It reminds me actually of um, in classic Doctor Who uh, in the third season, they did a 12 part Dalek show. And people, the Daleks master plan. Okay. Gotcha. And people gave up on the show because (laughs) it was just all Daleks. Like it used to be cool. They'd have history and everything. And now it's just Daleks, Daleks and more Daleks. Cause when you go that long doing one thing, it feels like that's the reality. Now this, this is where we live now you know, everything's fine. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's really long. I don't even know what the, what the divisions are. I mean, I remember general blue coming along and general blue going away. So I guess that's where those divisions are, but it doesn't feel like you're changing story like tournament saga. The tournament's over. And now we're going into some building action for a new story. That feels like a new story. You don't feel like this story is over until finally, whenever they beat Muscle Tower, beat and Black kills Red, and then they beat uh, Black. Um, it's really long, <laughs> and that's what would always get bogged down. Is is somewhere in that Red Ribbon Army saga? Um, I never finished that saga until this watch through. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's that's a good point. That like, uh, you know, the tournament has a very clear beginning, middle, and ending. Pilaf arc was fairly short. Yeah, but like, yeah, there. Like, General Blue, I remember, just bedeviled them for the longest time. You know, he he was going after Goku, then he ran into Goku, Bulma, and Krillin, and then he, <laughs> I love his death. <laughs> it's a, it's so over the top. But like, yeah, after after that is, and there's also like 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 um, Murasaki, the 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 ninja, um. The one where Goku shoves his pole up his butt. Uh, yeah, the, the ninja in Muscle... Was it in Muscle Tower? I think um, I, I think it was before Muscle I think it was before Muscle Tower. I, I might be getting this wrong. Listeners might correct me, but it's just been forever since I've seen Dragon Ball. Um, but yeah, I, he, I, yeah he, like, he, he feels like he's so badass. Yeah. And then when you actually start to fight him, it becomes super silly. And like he's holding up a towel in front of him that's supposed to be camouflaged with everything around him. And it it's not, and but he's he had because he had a face in the wrong way or something like that. So many things about him just being really really goofy, after thinking he was going to be this really bad villain. Well, I mean, um, I I think it, the purpose that serves in the long run was to sort of build up, would sort of kind of gradually get to a character like Tao Pai Pai, who I've always really enjoyed because I always thought he was just really cool. Mm-hmm. And because because he comes in because General Blue is is this guy is this sort of this sort of Aryan blue eyed blonde haired guy who is you know Goku can't physically outmatch uh, for the for, for the most part and you know Bulma's feminine wiles have no effect on him because he's he's 
he's clearly illustrated to be gay. And also, one point, and th- this will be kind of a brief point, but like, um, were you aware of the Doctor Slump crossover during this this bit of the story? No. The 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 episodes where he runs into oh yeah 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 Arali, he just like this little village of these little kids right penguin village yeah 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 that is um uh, you you would only you would honestly have to just kind of know the creator but that is Toriyama's original big hit Doctor Slump which is about the little robot girl Arali and her friends in Penguin Village and her completely out, out fighting Blue because she was supposed to be like, like the strongest being in the world that 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 series is is entirely comedic. And nothing is is at all serious. So, like, I, I I was meaning to ask if that like threw you, because if you're if you're watching this originally in the '80s in Japan, you know what that is. But like in America, it it is a gigantic kind of like you know turn left. I think it did feel like it was out of nowhere the first time I saw it. I think I've seen that episode twice. Um, and and but then the second time I was doing more kind of research as we went along. In the manga, in the first few chapters, there are a couple of you know, narration references to Dr. Slump and other things that the writer's done. So I knew that he had done other works. Um, but that Red Ribbon Army saga, I think, is is the start of a shift in the spectrum of the show. Yes, it is. Um, yes. From lighthearted to something that takes itself a little bit more seriously. I think the stakes go up during the um, Red Ribbon Army saga at first a little bit because this is a threat that people, you know, is actually endangering people's lives. And then by the end of it, Goku's pissed and yeah. he's getting revenge for people, a vengeance for people. And, you know, the little, uh, snow girl, I forget what happened with her, but there was something bad going on with her anyway. So yeah, by the end of that arc, it doesn't feel as, childish anymore and then you go to the fortune teller baba saga where people could actually die from these you know fights oh yeah that, 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 that's like that's a, that's before the next tournament yeah there's a, there's a, he's still not done uh at least because he wants to get the dragon ball to bring back bora right upa's dad i never remembered bora's name i just remember always love him as upa's dad yeah 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 <laughs> yeah I, I honestly forgot yeah there's a whole baba arc where like yeah the whole her kind of you know uh game of death characters with like the vampire and like the devil and stuff <laughs> i think you're right i think that like it's still fairly silly but there's a greater ambition i think yeah like, like where goku this is a fighting point he has to defeat like Pilaf wasn't really going to hurt anybody, but like uh, he has to beat the Red Ribbon Army, who's going to take over the world. Uh, well, I mean, oh, it, someone was. And Tao Pai Pai comes in along that way. You mentioned him earlier. I think, I think he, when he shows up, he is the biggest, most serious threat of the entire show to that point. Yeah, he's uh, the first person who kills somebody, right? Yeah, because he kills Bora. Right. And Goku has to. Goku has to do some major powering up in order to go after Tal Pai Pai. And at the time, you think that Goku killed him. That's true, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he kind of disappears. But he had to do the Cotting Tower and um, climbing up and training with, you know, the Neko and the... Um, Whiskers of the Wonder Cat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He reminds me of... Um, do you do you watch... I mentioned it earlier in the show. Do you watch much of Super Sentai, the, the Japanese Power Rangers show? Oh, I've, 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 I've definitely seen... Um, Several episodes of the Zoo Ranger Sentai uh-huh. show, but I, I I wouldn't say that like that I've that I'm I'm well versed in Sentai uh, to 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 an extreme extent. 
the I have not watched very many seasons. Um, so the one of the few that I've seen is the um, the season that was on whenever I was showing this to Lily, which is a show called Geki Ranger, which had um, beast and jungle themes and whatever, and they were training uh, to be the best martial artists they could, and their master in that was Master Shafu, who was a man-sized cat. And <laughs> nice. so uh, one of the characters who actually, oh my gosh, the Red Ranger of that particular season was a jungle boy. He had grown up in the jungle. He had been raised by pandas. He didn't know humans. And so he always calls Master Shafu Neko, which is Japanese for cat. Yes. So uh, when I saw... Um, whatever his name is at the top of the Cotting Tower, uh, I was in my head. He's Neko because he's he's the Jap- he's he's the martial arts master. He's a cat. He's the same character. It's the same guy later in life. Yeah, there are a lot of uh, fun themes that like uh, kind of find themselves in anime. Just I think just because of the culture. Like uh, this is Dragon Ball Z related, but the whole King Enma thing, King Yema, like the big red guy at the where the afterlife is the check-in station. The exact same setup and the exact same character shows up in Yu Yu Hakusho, and it's not a Dragon Ball Z reference. It's just the idea of like the afterlife as this sort of like you know bureaucratic, sort of business laden, sort of you know you wait in line to see where you go kind of thing. Right. Um, it's it's like a one to one in in the Yu Yu Hakusho series. Um, so I think yeah, I think that like it's it's funny how how you can kind of find just to, either either embellishes or influences or just kind of similarities in different things. Um. But uh, I remember that that like uh, the reveal that Goku was fighting his grandfather. I think you I think you said that that, that had an effect on you um, when you first watched it. I think you mentioned it on Facebook. Like you didn't know that like the guy behind the the cat mask, ironically enough, was his grandfather. That was a surprise to you. Yeah, that was a that was a cool reveal because um, you know you think his grandfather's dead, and it turns out he actually is dead. He's just visiting from the netherworld. Um, but just you know, you've gone through these deadly monsters they're played for sillies and they're basically japanese version of the classic universal horror monsters oh yeah <laughs> um but but the stakes are high and and goku has almost died a few times yancho's almost died and it's a, it's a five against five tournament and you have to you know one of your five guys has to survive all of the other five guys so it's it's just, you know, the last man standing kind of thing. Um, and it's it's been big. And the fifth most dangerous person that Fortune Teller Baba has is this shadowy figure who's not a universal monster. He's wearing a mask. And he seems very serious and very sinister. And I forget exactly how the events happen. Um, but he ends up unmasking and turns out he is Goku's grandfather. I was like, Oh my gosh, that's out of left field. So I'm completely surprised. Um, and they have a little reunion and it's nice and pleasant. And, um, it's funny because they actually spend several episodes, at least two episodes on the fight. And then they end up spending like half an episode hanging out together before (laughs) Gohan has to go back to the, uh, the realm of the dead or underworld or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I remember in the manga, um, I think it's probably a place in the anime that, that like, um, 
Goku actually breaks down to tears and like Bulma remarks, you know, this is the most Goku actually acts his age, um, which was really sweet. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good moment and it, it was done well. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a good point. It is funny. Yeah. Yeah. He, he just has to instantly go. Um, and it is funny because, cause yeah, I'm remembering that like, uh, they're evenly matched. Then he grabs his tail. It's like, how does he know Goku's weakness? Um, and his tail pops off, and then Goku's like, I'm going to beat you now. And he's like, okay, I'll give up. Like, it, it, it has a very kind of funny sense of drama to it where it's very it's unpredictable. It's, it's not, you mm-hmm. know. Because like, yeah, a guy hiding behind a mask does seem very sinister, but he's, he's pretty um, um, congenial. Uh, yeah, and I'm, and I'm trying to remember. I think that, like, by that point, yeah, Goku gets the, the Dragon Ball, wishes back Bora, and then... Just goes off to his own and trains for the next tournament, which which is which I think I think somehow they found that like, it was not every five years but three years. So like three years later, they show up. The majority of them look exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I by that time I knew that Goku was going to get larger after a time gap because mm-hmm. my my perception of the series, uh, you know, the series structure changed over time. At first, I thought. He was small all the way through Dragon Ball, and he was big for Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. Then I found out, no, he actually gets big toward the end of Dragon Ball after a time gap. And so when we get to a time gap after the Fortune Teller Baba saga, I was expecting Goku to get bigger. Three years later, he's the same size. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are slight differences. I've actually, I've only only recently noticed that, like, he is slightly taller and a little thinner. He's not as squat as he was like in the peel off arc, but yeah, he's, he's ver- he's he's generally identical. It's not until the third tournament where he's, you know, towering over everybody. Um, when you get those flashbacks, like there were some episodes in in the, right toward the end of Dragon Ball, you got lots of flashbacks of like baby Goku and everything. And it's just <laughs> he's so chibi and so small. Yeah. Um, you forget just how much he's changed. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny later on, like, 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 even because even like you know in the Piccolo fight, and even in the Raditz fight, like you know he's 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 definitely taller, and, and he's kind of a very young adult, but like he's you know he's in decent shape. Once you get into like you know like like the like the middle end of Z, he's just so shredded and ripped and full of muscle. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like he's like the best glow up in anime history. I just got my second wind. And it's blowing like a hurricane. What's Yamcha doing? Why is he waving? Kamehameha! If Yamcha thinks he can handle the Kamehameha wave, he must have been hit harder than I thought. Come You're right. How's he gonna pull that one off? Hmm. <sighs> Do it. At your own risk. The 22nd tournament is chiefly focused on uh, the th- the three-eyed cowboy himself, Ten Shinhan, and, and his um, creepy sidekick, Chaozu. 
Um, whoever, those are all, those have always been some of my favorite characters, just because I've always found, found their dynamic to be interesting. And Tien is a is a fan favorite all throughout the Dragon Ball series. I mean, he he actually showed up and had a bit part in Resurrection F, just as as one of the one of the fires that helps out. Um, so like, uh, and this is another major one. This this whole the story of this tournament isn't so much the tournament itself, but sort of. Ten, ten, ten Shinhan's redemption from being sort of, you know, a villain who to, to turns into, you know, from his exposure to Goku and Roshi to, you know, him literally saying, I don't want to be evil anymore, which is always a funny line for me. But what, 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 was your, what were your thoughts on uh, on this storyline? So it's it's pretty great. This, the saga is named for him. So you don't know going into it that it's going to be a second tournament. You you first meet Ten Shinhan. Uh, he and Chazu are, are basically con artist bandits. um they're 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 playing villages um they have this they have this monster that its name is the japanese name for three fish it's like um fit not three fish three animals it's something like um bear eagle bear hawk elk or something like that i forget what the japanese is Mm um and i remember the i remember the title card when the title card comes up and that they're reading the title in Japanese, that the the narrator is, there's a question in his voice when he gets the name of this creature. He's like, a, and it's a fuh, fuh, fuh? So you go into the story, and it's this, you know, this monster that's like a blend of three different animals. They're using it to terrorize towns, and um, they get paid to chase off the monster, and the monster's actually their friend. Um, so Goku finds the middle of all this, and... You know, you find out that these people trained with the Crane Hermit, who is a rival for the Turtle Hermit, Master Roshi, and they actually have been rivals since the early days of their training. At one point in there, there's a a big old... Actually, no. Later, whenever he's training with Kami-sama and Mr. Popo, there's a flashback to the early days of Roshi and the Crane Hermit. Um... But but yeah, so Ten Shin Han is this really interesting character because he's this really big bad. And he is determined to take down Goku because Goku killed Tao Pai Pai and Tao Pai Pai was the Crane Hermit's brother. So it's this huge revenge scheme that's, you know, they're assholes, but it's also fully justified. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, that, you know, Goku killed his brother and he, Goku needs to pay. And I feel like Tenshin Han's slow conversion is played very sincerely and subtly and slowly enough that it's really believable. Um, Master Roshi is planting seeds in his mind for a while before Tenshin Han ever even acts like he's listening to it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so it's not just like, Oh, you should be good. Oh, you know what? <gasps> I should be good. It's it's done much more subtly and slowly and organically than that. Which, for a show that has the reputation of being just this big action fest, and of the original Dragon Ball, the tournaments are the biggest action fests, there's some really subtle character play going on there. Um, Chaozu is delightful. I don't know what Chaozu's thing is. <laughs> he's, he's cute and creepy at the same time. Because um, he has just like little 
you know, porcelain doll face. It's kind of the similar effect to uh, Son Gohan back uh, in the in the Baba fight because he has this mask on. It's like a rabbit or something. It's sort and of kind so, of creepy slash cute looking look to him. Yeah, cute played as creepy. Yes, is is something that I feel like Japanese culture just like owns. Um, and yeah, by the end of it all, Tenshin Han and Goku are fighting in the tournament. And it is the longest fight to date. They have five episodes of fighting. And nothing had lasted that long in the series before that. So when that finally ends, and you think Goku's going to win, because of course Goku's going to win, and Master Roshi's no longer there pulling the wool over his eyes, trying to, hey, ha, ha, you're not going to be at the top of the tournament because you still got to grow, kid. You th- and then he actually doesn't win. It's a, it's a technicality, but yeah. Chen Han wins the tournament. Yes. Um, I, I that was unexpected. Yeah, Toriyama was quoted as saying that like he, he by that time he he knew that people would predict Goku to win, so he just like made him lose <laughs> because like yeah, Goku Goku outfights Tien. T- I want to say Tien because because the dub had called, has him called Tien half the time. So like I right. I, I tend to say Tien, but yeah, Goku beats Tien Chen Han. Um, pretty, I mean, even when they're falling in the air, Goku has it to where you know he kamehameha's into the air, so he's not falling as fast. Like he, he has intellectually and, and physically bounced him. He just gets hit by a car, which which always made me laugh. <laughs> which would have killed the guy, it just makes him lose the tournament. And, and yeah, he's... Tin hits, hits it later on, and he he, he wins the zinni. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I don't feel like I've seen Tenshin Han very much in Z. Have I forgotten? Has he been in the background? Well, I mean, like I know that you're not you're you're making your way through the 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 Saiyan arc or the Saiyan arc, and he once the Saiyans arrive uh, and everyone has trained to to fight them. Yeah, no, no, Tien he has he has major beats in every important arc in Dragon Ball, even when he's kind of pushed to the side because because he's not as he doesn't stay as strong as as other characters. He's still an integral character, and in like the Saiyan arc and in the the Android arc, the cell, the cell saga, and in, even far in the Boo arc, he has moments where, you know, the plot um, brings him back in to help out. And so you've not seen him much, much yet, but like in the Saiyan arc, he has one of the he has one of the most memorable moments in DBZ during the Saiyan arc. So you'll you'll you'll, you'll show up. Okay, so tangent. One of the things I find delightful about Dragon Ball is the names. <laughs> Because um, so many of the names are Japanese puns. And I don't know them all because I don't speak Japanese, but I did some research at one point and I just found it delightful. But so many of the names are puns and usually puns related to food. Um, That's right. Of course, Bulama is an exception, but her name is a pun. It's a pun on the English word bloomers pronounced Japanesishly as Buluma yes. and that's her name Bulma uh, and of course her whole thing is you know girls in underwear at the beginning at least um, and lots of food puns of course when Piccolo comes along all of his guys are named after instruments tambourine drum <laughs> right symbol yeah. um, and then Saiyan, Saiyan itself is um is the the Japanese is Saiyajin. That's right. In, 
and gene is a suffix meaning person. Yes. Like gaijin for a foreign person, nihonjin for a Japanese person, uh, saiyajin for this you know super person, and saiya is the Japanese word yasai switched, and yasai means vegetable. <laughs> you know, and they're from the planet Vegeta. Yes, they are. <laughs> and I, I love I actually, it. I actually don't know if I knew that the cyanogen bar, but yeah, you have Vegeta, Kakarato, is carrot. Yeah, he, carrot, right. Uh, uh, Raditz, Radish. Right. Um, and uh, Napa, which is I know is, is a Chinese cabbage, I believe. So it's just delightful. I'm a linguist. I love language. I love how language can play with itself so many ways, and it's just fun. And then to see languages interacting. Oh, there was something. Okay, well, this is I not. Mean, this is it, not. The most, the most direct, I suppose, in terms of like you know, food is like you know, you have a character named Lunch. <laughs> yeah, which is sometimes translated as launch. Yeah, I, I think but, that's that's kind of lame. Her, lunch is much sillier, which I like. Yeah, and, and it's not like Launch means anything for the character. Her name is Lunch. Um, this is not Dragon Ball, but I think one of the my favorite Japanese English puns is the Pokemon character Charmeleon, because it's like four puns in there. Hmm. Because you have Char for the fire on his tail, yeah, and you have Chameleon because he's a lizard, yes, and um, oh, there were there were other aspects to it that I was thinking of the other day. Oh, now I forgot what they were, but I, I, you know, some of those Pokemon names are also really, really great puns, uh, and I, I just, I just love it. So, anyways, I want, I want to take a tangent on that since we were mentioning Saiyans that Saiyajin is actually vegetable man. Oh, sure. I, I, I'm trying to think of all of the like, <laughs> like, 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 broly, broccoli, like, 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 yeah. it, it, it's, it's never ending. Like, I don't think Toriyama ever goes away from that. Um, I mean, like, like the, as recent as the ma- the two major characters that, that were introduced in Battle of Gods, which was Toriyama's gigantic return to the franchise, were named Beerus and Whis, which is essentially beers and whiskey. Oh, nice. Uh, you know, the Ginyu Force are all you know, like, like, like butter, cheese, and all that kind of stuff. So, like, so, like, uh, yeah, it, it, um, it. It never. If you like that, I'm glad you do because it never ends. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I won't even spoil the, some of the, the wackier ones later on. But yeah, that that is that is his signature. That is one of his uh, calling cards. And like, no one ever draws attention to it. The fact that this person, this evil, evil force of nature, is named Piccolo, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter even a little bit. It's as normal as the dragons and dinosaurs in the show. It's as normal as the walking, talking koalas and wolves and pandas. Um, and it's just, it's, it's just, it's just fun. Uh, um, the very first film, uh, the very first Dragon Ball Z film, Dead Zone, has one of my favorite like character introductions ever because it's, it's basically Piccolo, my junior Piccolo, kind of like sh- appearing, uh, you know, in a climactic part of the fight. And people react, it's like, oh shit, it's, it's like, oh shit, it's the kingpin, but it's like Piccolo. And everyone is just saying, Piccolo, it's Piccolo! And it's like, this is so badass, but like his name is so wacky. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just love the fact that like the series is cursed with that kind of like, you know, irreverence. Um, yeah. It's great. Go, go! <laughs> Goku? What's up? (laughs) 
the identity of Krillin's killer, and for what purpose did it attack? The plot thickens next time on Dragon Ball. So yeah, so like you have the 20, 20 second tournament where you have um, major powers for Goku, and introductions in a, in a, in a very strong character at, with, with Tenshin Han, um, and everything's fine, and Goku's fine with losing, and then there's a turn, there's a hard shift in tone, and... All of a sudden, one of the major main characters, one minute he's there, and the next minute he's he's dead. And you have a very uh, a very immediate start to the next arc. What were your thoughts on the uh, Piccolo Dai Mao, King Piccolo storyline? Well, first of all, I just have to say that I knew Krillin was going to die, because whenever I saw it in the anime, I had already read it in the manga. But it had been a while since I'd read the manga, so I, I kind of had like a vague shape in my head of how it was going to play out, but I didn't remember too many specifics. So much better in the anime. <laughs> but in the anime, it is chilling. It is it is like shivers up your spine um, as they say their goodbyes, and Goku like get basically someone walks over his grave he feels like something's wrong but can't really put his finger on it and he's like maybe i'm just hungry so he goes back inside because of course he's goku of course he's hungry yeah um and then krillin leaves and goku's just staring after him you see krillin walking away into the horizon and then you go back inside and you're doing your thing and the next time you see Krillin, he's dead on the ground as they're investigating, you know, what happened. So it's just, it's really, you know, haunting the way that particular episode plays out. We were just silent as we were watching that day. Um, so yeah, Piccolo Daimao was, you know, you don't really know how they can beat him because it's like they build it up as Master Roshi and all of his fellow students and their master had all worked together to fight this guy before at some point in the past. And that's another thing. It's like looking back on it, knowing that Piccolo is this like eternal being who's the other half of, of Kami-sama who basically was right. God until, until they found they were bigger people than God. Yeah. Um, so how was he like a temporary threat? How did he come out of nowhere 20 years ago and get beaten? I don't know. Anyways, so... <laughs> um, and now he's back, 
And every time they try to beat him again using the same thing as before, uh, Piccolo is able to find some way to reverse it. And it's just, it's so, it's, it's this really big threat. And you don't really know how it's going to possibly resolve until they finally work it all out. There are some things along the way that still keep some humor in it. Like the fact that he's super scared of this Denshi jar. And yeah, like yeah. as an American watcher, what's a Denshi jar? I don't know what a Denshi jar is. It's a rice cooker. <laughs> it's a normal everyday kitchen appliance for Japan. It's a single serving rice cooker. <laughs> it's, it's one of the types of devices that people say you shouldn't have in your kitchen because they're they're large and take up space and serve only one purpose. You know, people you know, people are like you shouldn't have a lot of single purpose devices in your kitchen. Um, of course, nowadays that they're they're so you know gimmicky that we love them. Um, but yeah, the Denshi jar is a rice cooker, and they 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 uh, trapped him in there. Um, what I hated, okay, mm-hmm. with Piccolo, the two things I hated were one. Whenever he like put the dragon balls on his tongue and swallowed them and then later regurgitated them again onto his tongue <laughs> and then swallowed them again. He like does this like twice down and up, down and up thing in the course of an episode or two. And I was like, oh my God, it is the grossest thing. <laughs> Except that it's not the grossest thing. The grossest thing is when he gives birth to a child by horfing up an egg <laughs> out of his gullet, out of his mouth. And splorp onto the ground in front of him, and oh look, it's my baby son. <laughs> and the first couple of times he does this, it's just it, it births a henchman. Yeah. But then he does he does it one more time right before he dies, and it's actually his you know reincarnated soul or whatever. Um. So yeah, I liked Piccolo Daimao, his taking over the world, and um. <laughs> it did make me wonder though, whenever you find out like the world has had peace for so long and the president of the world is such a great guy or, or the king of the world or whatever they call him. And I'm like, if the king of the world was so great at keeping the peace, how did the red ribbon army take over again? <laughs> I don't think we thought about the continuity of this. <laughs> this is why I say cat should not be allowed to run for public office. <laughs> right. <laughs> I so, um, but yeah, Piccolo Daimao was a great, uh, great, you know, force of evil in the story. Yeah, he's really like like one of the major. I mean, even when you get into like Z with like Freezer, like Freezer's kind of like like a, an iconic ta- antagonist in Cell and Boo. Piccolo is like one. He was he's definitely the first major, major like you know series antagonist because he was just kind of so uh, imperceptibly um, unbeatable, like like like. Uh, I think one of the most chilling things he ever does, and I forget he does this, but like when he kills the dragon, it's like that. Even even when I when I know that in the story, mm. like when I see that, I'm like, oh shit! Like how are they gonna get out of this one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He summons Shen Long, yes. gets what he wants, and then zaps him and kills him. Yeah, like, oh. and you see like bits of the tail and stuff. It, it, it's like, oh man, that was that was a good idea. <laughs> yeah. You know, we've talked about how Dragon Ball and probably Dragon Ball Z is a concept that as the story goes, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. The stakes keep getting higher and higher. And you think it's the ultimate, but no, they find ways to top it later. And not entirely sure what the trick is to the storytelling that makes that work, because it shouldn't. 
you shouldn't be able to get higher and higher and higher. Um, I guess part of it is that the, the, the really amazing becomes more mundane, I guess, as you go along. Um, but by the time you get to Piccolo dive out, it's like this really, really huge threat. Well, the thing, also, well, the, well, the cool thing about it is, is that, like he's, I would say he's probably, um, I would say he's the most clever villain because before, I mean, but, but, I mean, the reason why Krillin dies is because he put a hit out on all the uh, Tenkaichi Budokai uh, tournament participants. Like to, 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 uh, anybody who was strong enough to, 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 like, to, to like, take him down, defeat him, he just had, had uh, his boys just go out and get him. Like he learned that like Nam is killed, and you know they don't really get to him. But like uh, uh, Yamcha was 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 a target, and like it's pretty it's it's pretty cool that like you don't know what's going on until like he's the, the one behind it, and um, you know he uh, like, like Roshi dies trying to, to perform the Mafu Ba against him. He kills Chaozu, he kills the dragon. Everyone thinks Goku is dead, uh, so Chan's desperately trying to train and get stronger to, to perform the Mafu Ba and and beat him. So like there's there's like no sense of oh you know we'll, we'll just kind of wait this out you know they'll, they'll train and they'll, they'll be they'll beat him there there's a real sense of sort of, sort of like an, an underdog quality to Dragon Ball which I don't think they Toriyama had really kind of you know implanted by that up to that point um so yeah I, I mean I I I I really like it and like one of my favorite moments in the series is is when Goku returns by I think it's Drum. Like like Drum's about to kill Ten Shinhan. Goku shows up and and kicks his face off. Yeah. This this is this is also this is the start of like when the series uh it's kind of a serotonin drip level of of increments, but it's it gets more and more violent as it goes on. And and you were talking about earlier about how the the spectrum shifts between really, really lighthearted to more and more serious and Piccolo coming on the scene. I mean, the tension Han was definitely more serious than Rabbit Army, but Piccolo coming on the scene, it's like, Oh my gosh, we're fighting for planet earth here. Um, and he has been killing people. Now I think it's, it's a little bit funny whenever Bulma puts all of their dead bodies in little coffins and, puts them inside a capsule and sticks them in her, you know, sock drawer or whatever. Um, <laughs> so we'll just, we'll just leave that plot device for later. <laughs> uh, <yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. And then Goku, you know, is able to, to kick all their asses. What I was really kind of touched by was the fact that, you know, Goku, does he, He's not dead, but they think he's dead. Or he fought uh, Piccolo when Piccolo was still old. Piccolo beat the shit out of him, and um, and like Yajirobe thought he was dead, I think. But but Yajirobe saved him and, and took him to Corin or Karin. Yeah, and everyone else thought maybe he was dead. But I mean, he he gets revealed as being okay to everyone else, even though it's only briefly. They all know he's okay, except the only person who doesn't see him because he's dead at the time is Krillin. And so it's not till after the three year later gap for the third tournament that Krillin finally sees Goku again. Yeah. I've always been aware of that. Yeah. He's, he's not seen him since the tournament and they see each other. And this is the first time that Krillin has gotten to say, Goku, thank you for saving my life. I've been alive for the last three years because of you. And I haven't seen you to get to say thanks. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was another really sweet 
moment between these two best friends. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, if you uh, uh, make it through the end of our podcast, we af- after everything is, is, is said and done, before some of the... Basically, when we kind of finish the series, we kind of do like a sort of roundup episode of our favorite characters or favorite stories. Or what. And Krillin ranked pretty high for both Jesse and I just because he's such a good guy. Um, despite his kind of shifty beginnings, like he really is like the, the guy you kind of want in your corner. And like, um, uh, yeah, and I'm, yeah, I remember that scene where like, he hugs Goku and he's like wearing a cap and a jacket and stuff. Like it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's it, moments of like real human emotion really come out in, in a show as, or in a series as, uh, as, uh, eccentric as this. So yeah, I, 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 I haven't thought about that in a while. And I'll forgive his shady beginnings because, you know, you don't know where the character is going to go. And I think we all have, you know, stuff from our youth. Oh, sure. I, I just find it funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is because he's trying to, you know, he uses porn to become a student. Yeah, and he's a And, you know, they were, they were big rivals. Like, he, he didn't want Goku training with Roshi. And the, Goku was old enough to, or good enough to be training with Roshi. Yeah. And um, Speaking of old enough, there was a whole thing about their age because Goku says the wrong age at one point, yeah, he thinks and then later says another age. Right. So is he? I think the numbers were twelve and fourteen. One of them he said by mistake. He thought. How yeah, old was? Sorry. How old was Goku actually at the start of the show? He was twelve. He was twelve. Mm-hmm. Okay, so after three and three, he's going to be eighteen. And after five, he's twenty-three at the beginning of Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, he. Well, I'm trying to think. Um, I, I think that I think he's 13 because from from the beginning of the series, like like, like the Dragon Balls are used twice. The Dragon Balls are used every year. They can't be used in, until after a year they've, they've been used. And so like you have the wish that Ulan made uh, to, for the panties, and then you have the wish. There's not a time skip from then. You have a wish to bring back Bora. So by that point, a year had passed between the start of the series and when when they brought back Bora. Then there's three years later. Which I think would put him at sixteen, and then there's three years after that where he's nineteen, and then five years after that into Dragon Ball Z, he's he's twenty four. Okay, that's the that's the track. Yeah, that makes sense. Because Gohan is four uh, at the start of DBZ. Um, right, four and a half. Four and a half, yeah, because he he and he and Chi Chi ran off pretty quickly. Yeah, and Lily looks over. She's like, the math doesn't add up on that. <laughs> I think five years is probably a rounded number. We're just gonna go with that because. I mean, not that we're trying to shame premarital sex, but Goku didn't know what sex was whenever we left him last. So, um, you know. It won't surprise you that there's a lot of like f- fan art about that. <laughs> oh, I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> but, um, uh, well, and, and also, like, like the, the English dub had Gohan at five years old, like when you first see him, which is, which, like, um, because of the time skips, like, there's, in, in terms of the translation, there's some discrepancy in terms of Gohan's age like like uh he's you know he's five is he six is he four is he seven like 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 just in terms of, like the time skips like where he kind of starts off you really kind of have to go by the manga and kind of pay attention to see like how these characters age because sometimes they look different sometimes they look the same like you know Goku looked pretty similar when he was 16 years old to when he was 12 but like um when he uh, in the in the final arc yeah he grew like two feet <laughs> And um, I, I think it's harder than everybody except for maybe Tien, and definitely Piccolo. Piccolo's like I think Piccolo's like like the tallest character, the top, the tallest main character in the in the, in the franchise. Um, but uh, yeah, so so like um, 
Piccolo dies. Goku, after Goku barely beats him, and uh, he spits out an egg, and you know, they're, they're, uh, that's I, I think at that point that's when you learn that Piccolo was one half of yeah, pretty much God on planet Earth. Like that's when they kind of get into the more DT level characters, even though it is you know um, this kind of green guy with pointy eyes in in, in a um, and a Sambo-looking sidekick. Like, when the whole Kami thing came out, what, what what was your thought process? Okay, so yeah, we're um, we're at the part where they're training in the in the basically the tower in the heavens. It's another part of the thing. It's another kind of the aspect is of the the threats escalating and escalating. You've got you know the sources of power and and the good sides escalating us. So we already had Cotting Tower as like this like ultimate training place yep but now if you put Noibo on top of the spire on top of cotting tower and tell it to extend up into the sky you'll get to the next you know the the upper world place and then kami-sama will train you and of course kami-sama as as you know this you know american boy that i am watching is just another japanese name i look it up later and it is that kami is basically their word for god exactly. lowercase g yes um so he's gonna go train with god which is why everyone else is like what goku met kami sama what, what are you even talking about <laughs> and um so yeah it was pretty great um for for the questionable nature of his depiction I was very fond of Mr. Popo. Oh, sure, yeah, he's a, he's a fun character, absolutely. I, I have real no problems with him. <laughs> it's just you always gotta stop and explain it uh, whenever someone sees him. But yeah, like like he's he, especially like when he like is so clearly ahead of Goku in terms of, like you know as 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 a teacher. It's like okay, what is this about now? And the whole like fake Goku stuff. It's it's a weird kind of thing. Um, did you have a did you have a reaction when like Tommy came out and he looked just like Piccolo? Yeah, I was not expecting that. That was a surprise, and so realizing that they were two halves of the same being, um, I don't know. It felt very. Uh, what, there, there's some stuff in comics I'd read recently that has very similar. Um, aspects like Adam Warlock versus the Magus and that sort of thing. Um, so it was, it was cool to hear, but then it also makes you wonder, okay, so that means that Kami, Kami feels like this eternal constant at that point. He's, you know, his name is God and he's up in the heavens. Everyone knows he exists or at least, you know, theoretically does up there somewhere. Yeah, it's kind of vague. <laughs> so you get the impression that he's this this eternal constant, which would imply that Piccolo is also an eternal constant. But he's not. They killed him and he, you know, he birthed his self as a son. So I don't know. It was it was just kind of all weird. I didn't really think about it too much because I at that point we're just kind of letting the story happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, for, for real. <laughs> But um, but yeah, it's 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 an interesting idea, and it's for also if you want to get to like the the metaphysics and the the theology concepts of it all that like, you know, God and Satan to put it in Western terms are two halves of the same being, and if one dies, the other will die. Yeah, it's it's 
it's a really interesting take on spiritual, you know, theology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's it's all kind of kind of a play on everything. Um, and I, I don't know if it, it, it's it's um, trying to make any statement or anything like that because I'm not sure because because one of the large theologies in practice in Japan is Buddhism. Although I know that like Christianity has kind of been a lot more popular recently, or even Catholicism. Uh, like even Gelion is a gigantic, you know, the the, the the Christian imagery in that is like overpowering, and you just imagine that they're, they're trying to say something, trying to say something. But like you know, the creator's like, no, nah, we just thought it looked cool. So like, I don't think that Toriyama uh, <laughs> had clue one as to like what this might mean to people had they known the sort of religious connotations. Um, but yeah, it is it's kind of a thing where it's like yeah, because as they reveal later on by the end of the of the arc. If Piccolo dies, combats which 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 explains how Kami's still around because uh, yeah because Dai Mao uh, gave birth to like you know, the the Piccolo Junior egg. Um, right. This is a weird show because as, as I'm saying all now, it's I was like yeah all this all this crap was going down. Junior is King Piccolo. That's impossible, Goku. It can't be. You exterminated him. I'm completely lost here. Help me to understand because this just doesn't make any sense. Didn't you destroy Piccolo and save the world? Yes, I killed him. gets us to like yeah the final arc in Dragon Ball where everyone meets up again and everyone's pretty, by this point everyone's pretty much an adult you know um, Yamcha has scars that are never explained um, uh, uh, which I'm kind of I'm kind of chill with because like you know there oh, were sure. three years he and he and Krillin were doing and actually you got to see a little bit of what he and Krillin were doing because you had a little a tiny arc of episodes where they were like saving the village from the volcano and everything um, yeah, so like, the idea that they would just continue going on 
having adventures doing stuff and they show up three years later and he's got like battle scars i totally believe it oh yeah 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 it's it's not it's not it's not you know for serious it's, it's like 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 tien always has that scar on his chest from when you know robo top high pie like 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 slices him but yeah dom chest never explained but it's like what, what what are you there's a lot of things there are worse things that are never explained in this series um but like uh so like so like you're introduced to piccolo like the classic dragon ball z piccolo like like he's called ma jr throughout this arc but he's he's piccolo and like this is the piccolo that everyone kind of thinks about when they when they think of you know the the big green guy um what are your thoughts on him and what were your thoughts on uh the 23rd tenkaji budokai Okay, so this is the one where Roshi doesn't even bother to enter. Yeah, he's like, like he's he, goes, he goes and he's like, "Yeah, Goku's power levels left me behind like three arcs ago." Um, so Chi Chi shows up. Oh yeah, we're not with her yet. <laughs> yeah, I had known at some point during because I we saw the Chi there the first round of Chi Chi episodes two or three or four times in our attempts to, you know, get through the show the first time. Um, and at some point during all that, I, re- I learned that Chi Chi would eventually marry Goku. So, uh, at the last run through seeing her as a child, I knew what was going to happen. So when she showed up here, I didn't know that's when she came back. And, um, I remember that I didn't tell Keenan who she was. And he was able to successfully guess, which was pretty great. Oh, nice. Nice. Because they, 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 they play it as a mystery. Goku has no memory of who this girl is, and none of the other characters met her. So she's this mystery woman who's really mad at Goku for not remembering her. And it, they, it's a mystery for at least one cliffhanger. Um, well, for a while, because it's the beginning of the tournament, whenever the tournament's first, like, you know, setting up that she shows up and Goku doesn't recognize her. And then you have all the preliminaries in the first few fights. And then finally Goku's fight with Chi Chi, um, before it all comes out who she really is. So it's actually several episodes down the road. Um, but anyways, seeing her back was pretty great. Seeing that she is a pretty badass fighter in her own right was pretty great. Cause she had that, um, that fin helmet, that she was able to throw and take people out with. Oh yeah, and then um, the laser beam just kind of blast. It's a little bit silly, and this is it again. You know, if you really analyze the narrative, you why are you watching Dragon Ball? <laughs> yeah, you can't look back too far to the ultimate causes of everything. Um, but she shows up at the Tenkai Chibodokai to marry Goku. And she's pissed when Goku doesn't remember her, and she convinces him to remember her, and they get married, and she's so happy because, what, 11 years ago, <laughs> Goku had touched her on her, you know, underwear area to see if she was a boy or a girl. And so her childish interpretation is, if a boy touches me on my privates, that means we're going to get married. You heard it here first. Which is a perfectly valid, childish misunderstanding of sexuality. Which is why I think it plays so well, is because the sexual jokes, at least most of them, Roshi goes over the top. But, you know, early on, a lot of the sexual jokes are from a child's perception of sexuality. It's not 
perverting stuff. It's playing into young impressions and misperceptions. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that, that stuck with her. Mm-hmm. Of all the things she goes through in life as a teenager, that stuck with her. And now she here she is at the, at the tournament ready to marry Goku. And Goku has just no idea what that is. <laughs> right. I, I'll have some of that, sure. <laughs> oh, you will? So, yeah, from then on, like, she's, like, the uh, in, in his corner. Which is funny. And, like, it's funny because, like, like, like one of the defining, probably probably the most defining quality of Chi-Chi as a character is kind of her anger. Um, Dragon Ball, and later on Dragon Ball Z, is, is I want to say notorious, but, like, the female characters are kind, are kind of all defined by their anger. Like, Bulma, Chi-Chi... Later on, you have characters like Number Eighteen and Videl. Of course, they're kind of, they're not the same. They're not played in the same tone, or they're kind of of varying degrees. Um, which actually, I think I, th- I think not so much because of it, but like uh, it's a quality that kind of, when realized from a greater dimension, makes them uh, interesting characters. I think I think like like Women of Dragon Ball are actually pretty cool, but like yeah. Chi is one where like that's kind of like her. her her, her, you know, what, what pops in people's heads essentially. So, like, her whole thing about you know, you don't remember me trying to trying to fight him, uh, plays very well once you get in DBZ, and she's all about she's mo- mainly about trying to be a mother to Gohan. Um, but like, uh, she and, and she has her fans, like like uh, especially with the internet, you kind of learn that you know, especially with this version of Chichi who was a fighter and who legitimately earned her way to to participate in the the tournament under the heavens. Like the greatest fighting tournament in the series, like like she did that on her own. So like it's it's it's, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, on the on, what, the, on sorry. What I think was um, had me intrigued as we were going through that last tournament. It was it's labeled the Piccolo Junior Saga, and um, for the first part of the saga, of course, he's training, and Piccolo Junior is this little chibi stout character, you know smiling evilly as he like kills people. Um, and it's, it's interesting to go through like Goku's doing all this training with Mr. Popo, trying to learn how to like empty his mind. Um, and then you have the time jump and you come to the tournament. Of course, now through the miracles of modern science, Piccolo Jr. is this full grown adult. Child is three years old. How is he a full grown adult? I don't know, but he is. Yeah, that, that, um, and he's just in the back. Yeah, he's just in the background. He's in the background. You don't really know what his game is. I mean, you have an idea what his game is because he wants to get revenge, but he plays his hand close to the chest until you know it's time to actually reveal. By the way, I'm going to kill you. Um, so even though it's called the Piccolo Jr. Saga, and I expect it to be all about Piccolo Jr., he was actually in the background for quite a run of episodes leading up to his part of the tournament. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's kind of standing on, on, like, the gate and just kind of just chilling while, while, while everyone beats each other up. Um, you don't kind of see him have too much interest until Yamcha fights Shin. Um, which 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 is an interesting part, and then you get into the whole sort of your researches of of Kami, and ironically, the whole weakness of, of Piccolo was was sort of the Mafu Ba. That's reversed on Kami, and Kami's the one that's trapped. So, you know, that's another kind of instance of like you know how are they going to kind of kind of defeat him this way? And by the time you get to you know you have the, you have the, you have the uh, the Goku and the 
Tension Han rematch. You have Tension Han versus Cyborg Tapapai, which sounds he's alive, but like Tapapai beats him. Um, and um, Sephora Sinan shows up again. Doesn't the Crane Hermit show up again? Then? Yeah. And uh, Goku, if I recall correctly, throws the Cyborg Tapapai at the Crane Hermit. And the crane hammer like flies away with him or something like that. Yeah, I forget he flies exactly away. what it is. <laughs> it's funny. It's like skadoosh and he's gone and that's that's all. Never come back. It's like um it's like Gollum and Lord of the Rings. Go away and never come back. <laughs> yeah. And he exactly. does. Um but like uh once once the battlefield is cleared, you have the Goku Piccolo fight, which is one of my favorite fights in, in Dragon Ball and even in DBZ, because I, I think that this is like you know the most spectacular fight of the series by the by this yeah. point. Um, and it is slightly longer than the Tenshin Han fight. It is at six mm-hmm. episodes, right? Uh, yeah, you have stuff like like Piccolo revealing himself to like you know, be able to stretch his arms out. You have Piccolo drawing into a giant, which he doesn't ever do again. Um, <laughs> And just, just, just really, fun, you know, fun times that the, 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 like Goku's using the Kamehameha for his, with his feet, just like really nice stuff. Piccolo yanking his arm off and, and, and regenerating it, which he does a lot uh, in DBZ, but like it was the first time you saw it and it's, it's all gross and sticky and bloody. Um, it's a violent fight. Uh, Piccolo. Well, they have, to, they, ha- they have to type the top the Tenshin Han fight because like Tenshin Han like, grew four more arms <laughs> out of his back. Yeah. Or two more arms for total force, something like that. And, and Tenshin Han, like, blew the entire arena away. So now Piccolo, <laughs> he's, he, he basically does a nuclear explosion that not only blows away the arena, but, like, the entire countryside around. <laughs> I bet he does. Um. And it it just keeps escalating and escalating, and Goku is legit like on his last ergs of energy, and he wins. I think, if I remember correctly, he wins on a technicality. Yeah, he 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 learns how to fly, <laughs> and uh, cracks his skull into Piccolo's ribs, sends Piccolo flying. And sends him out of where the where the tournament grounds and the arena would have been, right? So, so he he tells to, to the ever stalwart announcer, "Hey, is is he out of bounds? <laughs> oh yes, he's a winner. Coincidentally, that knocks Piccolo out. So you know, if Piccolo was fully unconscious, they'd still be dead. But right, um, um, yeah, the announcer who never ever ever starts the count when he should." <laughs> Um, and who has found a mustache in time for the third tournament? Oh, yeah, I love that character. If, you, if, you, if it, I, I would suggest if that bothers you, not watching Hajime no Ippo, which is a boxing anime. Because there's, oh, there's, no, no, there's a lot of that shit. Bother me. He's just he's just like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? Start the count already. <laughs> oh wait, what the count? Oh yeah, I guess I should. Okay, um, I'll do it in English because we're Japanese. He starts counting in English. Um. No, I, I actually uh, have written down that I need to check out that boxing manga because it just finished recently, right? No, it, it's it's uh, the manga is, is like over, is is was uh, it just hit like volume one hundred twenty with with well over twelve hundred chapters. Um, but uh, that's one of my favorite series, and then like uh, 
I recently reread it to catch up to like the new chapters because it, it uh, okay. something major happened. So yeah, Hajime no Ipo has one of my strongest recommendations. I recommend it on this show. I'm actually wearing a shirt of it right now. But um, yeah. uh, but yeah, yeah. If you have a problem with, with like or at least slow counts, like one, <gasps> two, <laughs> then then the show's on next you. episode three. Yeah. Well, no, they, they don't they don't pull that shit. But like, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot. Of, there's yeah. It's it's it's, it's drama. Um. Uh. But yeah, yeah. Like. I, and and seeing as, as we talked about like, kind of the storytelling of Dragon Ball and like you know the com- comedy, what have been the fights of the series that that uh, that you that you would like that that stood out to you the most? Um, the mummy fight in the fortune teller Baba one was fun because it had the um, he could like send his wrappings out to wrap around Goku. Um, let's see, the bacterian one because of Krillin's nose. <laughs> Um, or some other good tournament fights. Namu's whole plight in the first tournament was very sympathetic. I liked Nam. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, yeah he's a good character. Yeah, and then just like after his like seriousness and reservation and, you know, the his despair over losing the fight and then to find out that the water he needs for his family is so plentiful that he can just like take a whole bunch ass of water back to his people that was really sweet um other favorite fights not a whole lot of the just random contenders are standing out but the Tao Pai Pai fight was good oh the um what is it? The Frankenstein's monster fight and the muscle tower. And then like turning Frankenstein's monster into a, a friendly monster robot thing. Cause it was a, it was a robot. I think in the cartoon. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. He was, he was, a uh, he was an Android actually. <laughs> right. An Android. Then he goes, he, he becomes friends with snow and then later shows up with snow in the, um, in the Piccolo arc. They're hanging out together, living together, whatever. Yes. The little redhead girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I remember, like, 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 like in the very end of the of the Dragon Ball manga, like the original Dragon Ball Dragon Ball Z manga, they they have a cameo return appearance years later. Um, they're yeah, they're they're kind of real OG Dragon Ball characters. Mm-hmm. I just I, I found it charming that a Siberian girl who lives in the winter, wintry, snowy wasteland is named Snow. That was <laughs> that was funny. I know Toriyama must have, must have taken moments to think of that. <laughs> um yeah no yeah 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 I, I think my favorite fights are like probably the goku tan fight and the, the the piccolo fights um but there's there's a lot of really fun stuff uh and by the end i know in the anime they, they have like an, a, a, another series of episodes just to kind of show goku and chi chi hanging out and the very last episode it, it concludes with their wedding and I know in the English dub they said, "Stay tuned for the further adventures of our friends in Dragon Ball Z." Um, when they take the picture, um, but uh, the uh, this, the Japanese ends with, "And our next episode takes place after a five-year jump." See you then. <laughs> Wait five years before you come back. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to. So yeah, I, I, I mean that, that's certainly like like pretty much the end of the series. I mean, but like. That doesn't that doesn't necessarily have to be the end of everything that you want to talk about. Is there anything else that comes to mind in terms of talking points? No, I had some things I wanted to talk about as we were coming in. I think I've hit all those. 
Um, it's just, oh, you know, some things I wanted about some of the the transitions I felt going into Z. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had my impressions of Dragon Ball Z, and the beginning of Dragon Ball is so not that. Oh, sure. And then, as you and I were talking, you say you said that by the end of the uh, Dragon Ball, it's basically Dragon Ball Z light. And so, whenever we got to the big extensive fight where they're just constantly doing power blasts at each other, uh, I was like, okay, so yeah, I can see how this is Dragon Ball Z light. It's very action packed. Um, there, there are high stakes and there's story behind it, but it's a lot of fighting for you know the saving the world. Mm-hmm. Um, when we transition to Dragon Ball Z, which you know, if you're a Japanese child watching cartoons every week, you get Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball, and the next week out of nowhere, it's new title, new songs, new animation, which isn't that unusual for Japanese programming because the way that sometimes they keep their shows going is they'll just change the flavor and change the title after a year or so yeah they do that sort of relaunch relaunch the concept so it's not that that's that uncommon but the art is different it's like it's like it's the same character designs but i feel like the inking on just the line work for the characters is a lot heavier um i feel like this the the inking of the the images themselves is a lot heavier it's there's a lot more i don't don't, i'm not very good at describing art but i there's more i don't know contrast between the colors and the 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 black spaces and it's harder contours i think there's there's more kind of you know i I don't want to say it more like a comic book but there's like kind of more harder delineation like when the when piccolo fight raditz um it's it's intense it there's there's less of a it, it, I, th- I know what you're saying. I think that like there was definitely an evolution of the art style in the anime, like like it was the manga, throughout the the end of Deep Dragon Ball. But like when you got kind of the Z portion, I think there's a decided effort to make it just a little bit more mature looking. I guess. And in the the camera work is different too. The way shots are framed and either panned or zoomed and. Um, you know, anime does a lot of limited animation, which is less common, in, I think, in American cartoons, but like where you actually have mostly a still image that you're either zooming in, zooming out, or panning across with a small part of it moving, mouth or whatever. And there was much less of that in Dragon Ball than there is in just the, even the opening episodes of Dragon Ball Z. Um, not that. It's it's a trope of Japanese animation, so it was definitely there in Dragon Ball, but it's more. So it's just, I don't know. It feels like like a different director is running the show, just from one week to the next. That's probably true. Um, Geekdom One Hundred and One or Kazushi would probably definitely absolutely say who the gentleman was because I know that Dragon Ball Z had a director for every single episode. And I don't know if it, it might have been the same. He might have directed this every episode of the original Dragon Ball. I'm not sure. I might just look it up. <laughs> what am I? What am I dithering around? Um, but uh, I think that you're. I, that, that might be possible. Uh, Daisuke Nishio directed the first uh, 199 episodes of Dragon Ball Z. So okay. 
in the Dragon Ball anime. It was co-directed by Daisuke Nishio and Minoru Okazaki. So that might, that, might, that, might, that might be the case. And I know that Nishio also directed uh, some of the better movies. So um, uh, that might be what, um, what you're noticing because there is definitely um, kind of a more dramatic flair. Uh, it always kind of reminded me of like shows like, like Fist of the North Star and stuff like that where it kind of just has sort of this, the, the idea of the sort of Western, not so much Western, but sort of, you know, the wild, wild Western kind of thing, kind of face-off kind of thing that everyone kind of remembers, I think is in, is in much more dramatic play in DBZ, and maybe the animation reflects that. Um, but, um, uh, so I think that, you know, you get into Z, and they immediately, uh, turn it into a bit of a science fiction show with the introduction of Raditz and uh, the notion that this you know little jungle monkey boy who turns into a giant ape whenever seven dragon balls you know not whenever seven but he whenever looks at the full moon and you have seven dragon balls gathering together to to bring forth a mystical dragon it's all very like supernatural mystical fantasy stuff and then you bring in aliens from other worlds, and the tale is actually part of the fact that he's an alien race. It's just, it adds another element, a science fiction element. And so the technologically, technology wasn't a part of Dragon Ball's world, but now Raditz has like the power level monitors. There's an early episode where he finds a, a, a robot underground. So there's, there's definitely a shift in storytelling concepts from the get-go. You know what it reminds me of just as I'm talking here is Superman's storytelling as you're moving into the late 50s and like 1957 to 1958, they started doing a lot more frequently science fiction-themed stories talking about Jor-El and Krypton and space and all this other stuff until you have a very different kind of Superman storytelling, which they call the silver age. Mm -hmm. But, um, but just feels like that's a similar kind of transition from one era of storytelling to the next, where for Superman comics took like a year or two for Dragon Ball is like from one episode to the next. And I think that having that first episode focused so much on Gohan, because it, even though it looks like a Dragon Ball Z episode, it feels like a old school Dragon Ball episode. Like early in the series. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so it almost feels like a little bit of cohesive storytelling, peanut butter, to link the old to the new. And I think that like uh, science fiction, or or kind of even more specifically, science fantasy, is definitely like 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 one of the strongest differentiations between Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z because you get into the Saiyan Saga and the Frieza Saga and the Android arc and the Cell games. Um, like, like I would say, the Boo arc doesn't really have much science in it, but like pretty much every other saga does. And I think that, like, yeah, you, you know, we, where you had like the kind of capsule stuff in Dragon Ball, yeah, there, there was a kind of, like, you know, science fantasy play on here, but it's more actively part of the plot and kind of just more of the storytelling in DBZ to where... There's just, you know, technology all over the place and then fighting technology. Which, again, I don't, I don't think that Toriyama's making saying anything. It's just, just kind of, you know, him kind of making up stuff as he goes along. Um, since he, so so you're you're starting DBZ now, and you mm-hmm. mentioned the episode with the giant robot. So where are you in DBZ exactly? 
that episode. I, I have a list in front of me. Uh, that's episode nine. Okie dokie. So as it happens, we targeted to finish Dragon Ball Z at the end of July, and we were doing one episode a day. We've continued doing one episode a day. So since we're nine days into August, we're nine, day, nine episodes into the show. Um, and it's funny because I was used to the Japanese titles of the episodes, and we've gone to the American dub, uncut Dragon Ball Z. So we've lost all the Japanese. And I'm looking at some of these episode titles, and they are a riot. Um, oh, dear. The New Threat, which is the one where Gohan's running through the, the jungle. The Japanese name is Mini Goku is an Overprotected Boy. <laughs> um, Reunions, the Arrival of Raditz episode. The Mightiest Warrior in All of History is Goku's Older Brother. Spoilers! <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's actually awesome the mightiest warrior in all of history yeah Raditz my ass <laughs> Raditz is fighting uh, Raditz is fighting uh, Piccolo and that episode's called alright this is the strongest combo in the world <laughs> <laughs> awesome um, episode 5 Goku dies there's only one last chance <laughs> <laughs> um survival with dinosaurs gohan's harsh training That's um, ever. yeah these are these are fantastic so our episode today was sorry robot son the desert of vanishing tears yeah that, uh, that's a notable one yeah and then so tomorrow we're gonna watch don't cry gohan his first fight which will be on our americanized title a new friend I, th- I believe I know which one that was. That, that is, um, what do you think of uh, Gohan as a character? Like, like, like you know, like, like, like Son Gohan, like, like the son of Goku, Gohan. Okay, so he's a combination of being really annoying because of all his crying and whining, oh yeah, and really intriguing because obviously he's the next big warrior. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, he has power locked inside. We don't know what it is or where you know how he's going to trigger it or anything like that, but. And it's not that I'm saying it's not that I'm questioning the storytelling choice to make him so weak at the beginning because that gives him a place to move from, but it's just it's just the physical aspect of the whining and crying grating on like my nerves as a parent. <laughs> <laughs> like I think we are we as humans are engineered to hate to child smack something. crying. Yeah. Yeah, we want to make it stop because that's what parenting is. You don't want your child to cry. So it's, but there's so much of it in these early episodes um, that I could do with a little bit less. So I like Gohan. Um, I thought it was adorable with his little hat with a little Dragon Ball on top. And um, yeah, he reminds me of Mini Goku, but he's younger. So Goku was young and naive and unaware of the world and uneducated, but he was also. You know, twelve or fourteen years old when we first meet him. Gohan is even younger. He's he's a baby. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, he seems a, appropriate. It's just annoying sometimes. There was a really cool. Like, this woman had a great kind of Chinese dress cosplay that Gohan. Like, Gohan was like kind of a little hat and dress combo from the beginning at Comic Con this year. That I thought was really awesome. But like, uh, I it's it's easy to forget. Especially like like uh, because the series is so long, it's been so long since I've seen the beginning for the first time. But I absolutely remember how annoying he was at the beginning. He's actually my favorite character, um, but that a lot of that is dependent upon later stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. 
So like so so I mean like like when he kind of flipped out on Raditz, which is a major, which is a major right. Movie, what, what was your reaction to that? Yeah, that was surprising because that's where you first find out something's going on with him um, because he had been in the little you know oh, yeah, the sphere pod. capsule, yeah, the little pod, and he was crying and wanting out. They didn't hint though at any building of power. It's not like he was in there and suddenly he started rumbling or anything. It's just like there there's some little sparklies around the. Uh, the pod and then suddenly he bursts out with his power and it it was kind of um gene gray phoenix like that she's just like this huge cosmic force of power and then a few minutes later he's like lost control of it he, he can't access it anymore which was right. kind of similar to what claremont would do with gray um in those early x-men issues um so it's 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 interesting so it means that there's something going on it's kind of um analogous to saying that this dragon ball is my grandfather's that he left it before he died. It's just this little element attached to the dragon ball that is going to slowly, eventually maybe get revealed and same thing with Gohan. He's got this, he's got these power levels and, you know, so maybe they're going to get revealed. Evidently that's, you know, the, the focus of the story right now, because we're doing his training, um, but yeah, just letting the ride happen. Curious to see where it goes. And you knew ahead of time, I think, or at least you told me that, like, or at least the, the, the revelation of Goku's, like, you know, Saiyan origins wasn't exactly a surprise to you. But, like, you know, his older brother and Raditz and Goku and Piccolo teaming up together, and Goku, which, which ends up in Goku's death. Um, first of all, if you're watching the uncut version, how did you take to, to how Goku died? That was pretty surprising. I was not expecting Goku to die. Right. Um, and playing that on your fourth episode of a new version of the series, I thought was a ballsy move or would have been if they didn't say 20 times, yeah, we'll get you with the Dragon Balls, Goku. No worries. <laughs> You're going to have to use I, that. <laughs> like, if they had wanted to add just a, just a hint of drama, and we talked about this in chat, but if they wanted to add just a hint of drama, they could have, even though they had mentioned it in earlier episodes, just not mentioned in that episode the idea of the Dragon Balls reviving Goku. He dies, Krillin is mourning him, and the narrator comes on to take us out of the episode. And then next episode, someone's like, don't forget Krillin. We can get the Dragon Balls. We'll bring him back. And Krillin's like, okay, I guess we'll bring him back. You know, that that I feel like, I don't know, would have been a bit more poignant. Yeah, 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 totally. There's no real getting around that. <laughs> um, but yeah, he gets blasted through the chest as he's, you know. Yeah. He, so that was, that, was, that was pretty great. No, what I knew about Dragon Ball Z going in is, okay, I knew that Chi-Chi and Goku got married. I knew they had a kid. Mm-hmm. I knew that Goku was an alien. Um, I did not know. I had not put together the notion that therefore the other people of his race also had tails and could also turn into giant apes. That coming in as a plot point, as like a, as like a storytelling point, was was unexpected. Um, and I feel like I had a visual impression of a green faced guy in like a turban and like shoulder pads and everything. But I hadn't really put together that that was Piccolo jr. Turned good until Keenan pointed it out. 
um, because he had gotten a few concepts of Dragon Ball Z ahead of time as well. And that was one of the, the, the Piccolo Jr. ended up turning good. So um, as that coming into Dragon Ball Z, I have now passed every single thing that I know about the show. Okay. Everything's yeah. going to be a surprise going forward. So you're pretty early on. That, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is a kind of a major thing. And like, I remember, again, when I was first going to get into it, just sort of the whole, you know, double hundred bodies here on this island and we'll count you, then we'll bring you back into the fold. There's only four of us. Like, it felt yeah, kind of epic. And like, you know, yeah, he's he, he's done. Uh, Raditz is done in this. Uh, and the whole tension of training for the Saiyans that are arriving because they're, they're even stronger than he is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a that's, lot of that. That's is, the threat on the horizon. Yep. Yeah, a lot of that is apocryphal in, in like Dragon Ball Z, and um, at, at least in terms of this this Saiyan arc. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. It's 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 one of those things where like it's it's easy to get to get away from because so much happens after this. So much happens after this. But this early bit, especially if you're coming off of Dragon Ball, it is. One of the most major tonal shifts, if you are coming from, from Dragon Ball, even if you have see, like you know the Piccolo Daimao arc and all that kind of stuff, it's not exactly um, ag- against its nature, but it is. Def- I think I think this is, it's a it's a good intro to what the kind of show Dragon Ball Z is going to be, um, especially especially Dragon Ball Z at, at its earliest. I think you know it's 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 objectively darker than Dragon Ball and more intense. But I think early DBZ has like even more of a harsher, more violent, almost even bleaker edge than it does later on. Where I think it's, it's a bit more of just kind of a, um, I don't want to say generic, but just kind of a more of a of a even killed action show. Like the, the early Raditz stuff, I find to be just just kind of exceedingly violent and um, uh, really tough. Whereas Dragon Ball Z at, at large is not as not 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 as I guess um, mature in terms of like the content level. Um, so that's the, plenty uh, of violence, but doesn't quite get as intense. Yeah, it's it's absolutely violent, but I think the violence is is a bit more sort of like you know sparse. Like beyond uh, because the Saiyan arc is pretty pretty violent. After that, um, the violence isn't as constant. I think mm-hmm. there's, there's fighting and stuff, but like um, I don't know. And, and maybe your maybe your opinion might be different than mine. My, my, I might be like you know misremembering things or whatever but i just remember whenever i think about this early stuff it just being like not really reflective of like, the whole of dbz which not in a bad way but it's just like you know yeah early dbz was 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 pretty 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 fucked um but um are you digging what you're seeing of dbz so far yeah yeah definitely and you know part of it is is like you know realizing there's a long haul involved here mm-hmm. and just kind of like settling in for it and um letting it happen so you know i'm i watched 153 episodes of dragon ball and that show went through a lot of phases it was very different by the end than it was at the beginning uh if you were to watch episode one and 153 back to back it'd be kind of crazy or if you were to watch the emperor pilaf saga and then jump to the piccolo jr saga they just were gonna feel so different um, so, you know, I'm totally chill with the idea that the Dragon Ball Z, which, you know, aired over the course of what, seven years. So it's gonna, it's gonna go through some changes and I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Uh, that's cool because there's, there's one of the big talking points 
well, not just a big talking point, but a popular talking point among like Dragon Ball fans is like, you know, what's your favorite series? Is it Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball GT, and now Dragon Ball Super? And it's it's a popular thing of like, you know, uh, people saying they prefer Dragon Ball over Dragon Ball Z. Not not that like I would say the majority of people like Dragon Ball Z the most. That that is the most popular of the franchise. But there is a uh, a contingent among the fandom that say they prefer Dragon Ball, where it was just just something just just not an action and a shonen show, and it's kind of more of an adventure series. And it'll be interesting to see how you react to that. Not that I, I don't think that Dragon Ball Z ever becomes generic, because I think that Toriyama's far too creative of a of a of a of a artist to I mean it's, it's, I would never say it's generic but I think there is a pattern to Dragon Ball Z that that might be a bit more uh recognizable than Dragon Ball even if, if even if, if they're kind of done by the same guy and he has a flair for like you know the kind of unpredictable and it'll be interesting to see um how Dragon Ball kind of just compares between like, you know the tonal changes and the different characters and stuff whereas Dragon Ball Z is primarily about um uh kind of the characters combating new threats cuz one thing I- I'll say after after watching all of DBZ again is that it's much more character based than people tend to give it credit for and I think mm-hmm. that's what you'll you'll have hang on to you're always going to have Goku and Gohan and Krillin and, and Piccolo and Bulma and the other character and Roshi and the other characters uh Inter- interacting with with different threats, and the threats are always going to be unique. And how are they going to get out of this one? It's never the same solution twice. It's never the obvious answer. And I think that is even after after seeing Dragon Ball, you'll you'll still you'll still be on the edge of your seat in terms of you know, okay, where's Toriyama going with this? Where's Toriyama going with that? And I'm looking forward to seeing how you uh, how you react react to those things because uh, it's it's it was really fun seeing how Jesse reacted to everything. So it's, it's always fun kind of seeing people. Who've not seen Dragon Ball after all this time react for the first time, uh, especially as 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 the show has a larger and larger looming legacy about it. Yeah, and I mean, when we started watching Dragon Ball, I think Dragon Ball GT was this you know new series that wasn't being received very well, and it went away, and so now Super is there. But for a while, Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z that was that was it. Mm-hmm. That's all there was. And these two sequel series have since come out in recent years. But, I mean, Dragon Ball Z ended in, what, 1995 or 90? The yeah, manga 96. was 95 and the anime ended in 96. So that was a lot of years where that was all she wrote. That was the end of Dragon Ball. Um, so it, it's kind of weird that now there's, like, more to the story. So I'm, I'm curious to see how all that full unfolds, too. Um but yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be in touch. I'll I'll be uh, keeping you updated with uh, events as they happen as we're watching through and sometimes you go what, um, and and yeah, if we uh, if we keep on going one a day, we should be able to get through the entire thing in a year. That'd be um, really awesome. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and and uh, GT was a show that like was because of popular Dragon Ball Z was an anime only series. It only lasted sixty four episodes. It wasn't. Uh, it didn't do great, and like it, it, it kind of has like a black sheep reputation among Dragon Ball fans because Toriyama's participation in it was so. It was like the character designs, and that was it. Um, and so, and some very 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 few story ideas. So it's not really. It's kind of seen as sort of like this sort of like almost Elseworlds kind of show that not a lot of people. Uh, factor into continuity 
Um, and Dragon Ball Super, pretty much a uh, 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 contradiction. Um, but yeah, I mean, we started the podcast when it was just Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, and Dragon Ball GT. Like, Dragon Ball Super wasn't a thing until, I think, 2015 anyway. Um, so that is still very new. And even so, I mean, even, even with Dragon Ball Super, which just recently ended in Japan with the announcement of this new movie coming out, um, Dragon Ball Z, I think, is still going to be like, you know, when people think of Dragon Ball, they'll think of Dragon Ball Z. And um, that is kind of the, the reposition goes down. But having the foundation of Dragon Ball kind of going into it always gives somebody some more insider info on how the story evolved. And on Akira Toriyama, who I think tends to get lost in the mix, unless you're unless you are kind of a hardcore fan. Most people don't tend. Most people who don't tend to pay too much attention to DBZ as a franchise don't know too much about Toriyama as a creator. Who I think is, is an incredibly interesting guy whose creativity rivals some of the some of the most iconic uh, mangakas and even combo creators ever. So um, it's 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 a fun, it's definitely a fun route. <laughs> Goku, uh-huh. you've proven yourself worthy. In fact, I'd like to offer you my job. Uh, me? Are you serious? Mm-hmm. I have the utmost confidence in you. It could be your greatest adventure. No, 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 I couldn't. I appreciate your confidence in my abilities, but that's not the adventure I'm looking for. It's your job. Keep it. Don't be hasty. Think of all the good you could do with that power. You are the only one I could trust to succeed me. What do you say? <laughs> Flying Nimbus! Nimbus! <laughs> Let's go! <laughs> Sorry, Kami, but it doesn't get any better than this! Um, is there anything else you want to mention um, before we uh, get out of here and, and uh, pimp your wares? Is there anything you want to bring up? I think as far as the Dragon Ball goes, I think I've covered everything. All right, excellent, yeah. You know what, one tiny point before we go. Sure. Um, when Keenan was younger, he and I read Sonic the Hedgehog comics, and he was the one that pointed out to me that Super Sonic was modeled after a Super Saiyan. <laughs> oh, yes. I remember um, we uh, that's brought up in our podcast. So it's just like, is it? I I think either I think someone emailed in and I was like yes it's true um and I remember like uh finding the code to to be supersonic in the Sonic games like wait a minute <laughs> yeah it's yeah absolutely yeah it's it's definitely like a a reference to DBs I th- I think that that supersonic first appeared right after the Super Saiyan first appeared in the series like the early nineties. So, um, that's true. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, the eyes changing and, and the golden spiky hair in the, or, yeah, uh, totally, totally. So, uh, yeah, King, King's on the ball there. Yeah, so, that, that's, that, that's all I had. That's awesome. So, where can people find you, uh, elsewhere on the internet? I am a comics nerd, and I tweet about comics that I am reading, and I podcast through some of my comics reading projects. So if you want to follow me, you can go over to Twitter and uh, find me at John Reads Comics. There is no H in John. 
there's also no H in reads nor in comics. Um, so you don't need an H at all. No, we're no, no, just take it off your keyboard and throw it away. Um, so at John reads comics is my Twitter. I have two podcasts that I am doing. Uh, the first one I've been doing for several months now. Um, it's a weekly show comes out on Fridays. Uh, I do it with a friend of mine named Mike Kaiser and we are basically podcasting our way through, um, all of silver age, Marvel superheroes. So we start with the fantastic four, number one. And as we're recording this, uh, we have gotten into the beginning of 1963. So the amazing Spider-Man series has just started. Iron Man's monthly series has just started and uh, we're moving forward. I think um, as we're recording this, this Friday, the first appearance of the wasp and the first issue of Sergeant Fury, that episode is going to drop. Um, and yeah, so that's there. That happens every Friday. Um, we record things way in advance. So even if we stopped recording today, there'd still be like six more months worth of episodes coming out. Um, then I have just started, depending on when this comes out, uh, it's launching September 1st, a um, similar project by myself for Image Comics, mm. where I am putting out several episodes at the beginning of every month, looking at early Image superheroes. A lot of those comics I've read before, a lot of them I haven't, so I thought I would just go through and explore it all with a microphone in front of me. So every uh, month on the first of the month, several episodes will drop. Uh, you can find out more about that at uh, johnreadscomics.com. And the show is called All the Pouches, yeah. an image comics podcast. And the Marvel show is called Make Ours Marvel, which is also at makeoursmarvel.com. So, yeah, awesome. that's me. <laughs> are you reading, like, 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 like uh, are you current, like, Savage Dragon comics? No, I'm reading old Savage Dragon comics. I'm not current on new Savage Dragon comics. Oh, man. <laughs> Although I have seen some of the interesting covers recently and read some of the stuff that's gone on recently, but not I don't have a whole lot of details in my head. Speaking of anime and manga, it, like, like, like the most recent issue is, is it's like literally like, like, like sex in action. Like it, it is a modern day dojin. Um, <laughs> it'll be interesting to, re- to react to that. Um, awesome. So, yes, thank you very much for coming on to the show and telling us your experience in, in the watching through Dragon Ball. Um, and you start listening to the podcast, like with the very first episode, which I know you won't get back to until you get through all the filler. Uh, so it'll, it might be weird to listen to, uh, sort of like past Donovan and past Jesse kind of get through where you're getting through, but, uh, we hope you enjoy it. And, um, yeah, this, this, this is, this is the first episode I, I think we've done the show in maybe close to a year because, because we've been very busy, but, um, Fear not, listeners. Know that uh, false promises are always hollow until uh, we make good on them. But because Dragon Ball Super is airing nightly on Adult Swim, um, and they're starting back from the very beginning so they can catch up with the modern new episodes, uh, expect Jesse and I to finally talk about the Future Trunks slash Goku Black arc in Dragon Ball Super sooner rather than later. I don't want to place a date for it yet, but... um, we have figured out a way to finally get back to this show, so the wait should not be too much longer. And, and, and I and I and I promise that 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 is the case. Um, of course, promises are you know talk is cheap, 
but um, we definitely have designs to, to kind of uh, return to our super coverage, especially now that since um, as of this recording, it's the first episode I think I've mentioned that super is ended in Japan. So there is an end date for us to get through this damn show. <laughs> so we we definitely plan on finishing what we started here, and um and then we'll probably like you know go off to King Kai's. Um, but thank you very much for listening. If you want to write into the show, email in at dbznextdimension at hotmail dot com. Um, and until the next episode, which again hopefully will be sooner rather than later. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the Next Dimension, a Dragon Ball podcast. Adios. Or I should say, sayonara. That's usually how I, how I sign off. Thank you for listening to The Next Dimension, a Dragon Ball Super Podcast. You can find the show and leave feedback at dbznextdimension.lipson.com or write in for emails at dbznextdimension at hotmail.com. If you like the show, please leave us feedback on iTunes or join the Facebook page in the Facebook group. Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball GT, and Dragon Ball Kai, and Dragon Ball Super are all owned by Toy Animation, Fuji TV, and Akira Toriyama. As always, Dragon Ball is created by Akira Toriyama.